week's the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken here alongside my good friend and co-host, sports director at KORN Radio in Mitchell. Travis Krenz. Travis, how are we doing? Doing good. Good. Uh, we will talk about the weather. We'll talk about the Vikings yeah. here in a moment. But uh, we opened this podcast up a little differently this week. Uh, that's because, um, I, I, you know what? There's been a lot of death this year. Not going to sugarcoat it at all. And, um, you know, this one, obviously, it's not a, a personal loss or anything like that. But some very sad news coming out of uh, Starksville, Mississippi, uh, Tuesday morning. And that's that Mike Leach, head coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, a football team, of course, uh, dead. He died Monday night, had a personal health emergency Sunday, he was taken to Jackson, Mississippi by ambulance. Sounds like it was a massive heart attack, and he unfortunately has passed away. And while it's sad and stuff, Mike Leach was one of the truly genuine um, characters of the game. Like, we've lost a true character. We both love Mike Leach. We both love what he talks about, like candy and marriage, like anything other than football. He's just very... Uh, he's a very funny dude, and he was a very good head football coach. And for and he was apparently at practice on Saturday, and then Sunday coming about, he gets this uh, health scare or health um, crisis, and then goes to the hospital and dies Monday night. It's just it's very very sad, and I think football, the football community, and the sports world at large. Uh, should be sad today over this because they, we've lost a true character and one of the truly good guys in the game. Yeah, he was different. I liked him a lot mm-hmm. because of that. And yeah, you know, all the other stuff that he would talk about and watch videos of him today of, you know, what mascot in the Pac-12 would want to fight? Yes. So he goes on for two or three minutes on... Well, this is what this guy would do, and this is what that guy would do. Mm-hmm. It was just fun, and then yeah, just all of a sudden it happened. So that sucks. Um, so yeah, it's it's a little stranger than a normal. You know, oh, this guy died. You know who he was, but yeah, it, it sucks because he was. Yeah, he he didn't play football, but he. Like he changed football with his offense, or or he got his offense from his or an assistant coach at an Iowa college years ago, mm-hmm. and he would he moved his way on up and uh, Oklahoma offensive coordinator, and then Texas Tech and Washington State, and the air raid uh, offense. We wouldn't know who yeah. Gardner Minshew was without yeah. Mike Leach, and he would take these guys like Gardner Minshew and all these Texas Tech guys, like you know. Kingsbury and Graham Harrell yep. and all these random dudes. And they would throw for four or five thousand yards and forty, fifty touchdowns and on the football side of things, like he changed football more than more more, more coaches because because this was happening before everybody got nuts uh, with passing the ball. This was you know, in the early to mid two thousands where mm-hmm. It wasn't as common as it is now. Yep. So he was an innovator in that way. He won. He got 
he was he got better everywhere he went. He was in pretty awful schools. He must have loved red. Every team he coached was red. Yep. Like Texas Tech, like not not good. He made him and, a top ten program. And he was they were what number one, number two there for a week or two yes. when they beat Texas. Yep. That's probably his signature I'm on the football field his signature win with Michael Graham Harold and uh, Michael Crabtree when they beat Texas that one that one day. So that was huge. And then he has uh then he has to quit there because he locks Craig James' kid into a shed, which yep. I think is fantastic. Just awesome. Yes. And great Craig James, you know, suck it to him. Yes. And yes. um is his his bubble of a kid. So and odd thing, lock him in a kid, you know, in a shed, he had a concussion or whatever. So funny thing he got fired for that, which I like him for because I don't like Craig James. So he does that. Then he goes to no name Washington State in the middle of freaking nowhere. Mm-hmm. And does does well there. And we got my guy Gardner Minshew does great. Then he goes to Mississippi State and we're like, How's he gonna do with the SEC? The great the greatest conference known to man. Mm-hmm. And he does all right. Well, he went, what, seven, eight games at Mississippi State, and he was doing pretty good there. So, and it sucks on multiple levels. Yeah, he was he was just interested in a lot of odd stuff. Yeah, he had a full-size pirate with, like, peg legs and parrots and yeah. everything like that in his office. He wrote a book on Geronimo, <laughs> the Indian. Like when he was when he was a coach, like in these past ten years, fifteen years, whenever he wrote a book on Geronimo the Indian. So yeah, he was just I don't know, just, he was just interested in lots of weird stuff, or just interested in everything. So mm-hmm. like you could ask him, you could ask him anything, and he'd probably answer it, mm-hmm. give you a well thought out answer. You know, like Halloween candy. What do you think about Halloween candy? And go on and on about that. So. Well, didn't he go to like the Dollar General or something to buy sprees? I mean, he was—he was like a man of the people. He wasn't going to these high-end, you know, establishments or and stuff. Like he would be—he would intermingle with with people. I mean, that was the best part about it. One of the best parts about him—he was just truly one of like you and me. That's how he acted. A normal guy. Oh, he walked to work at least in Washington State. He would walk to work. A few miles, however long that was. Just a unique person. Yeah, I think it was the, uh, I guess it was after a Vanderbilt game, or a year or two ago, about the candy. Yes. And he, like, you know, just a simple, like, he never asked Nick Saban, so what Halloween candy can I have this year? You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. He'd ask Mike Leach and he'd go on for a minute about, you know, like, scummy bears. He didn't mention, I watched the, Clip yesterday or whenever, and he mentioned the gummy, the gummy nerds or the nerd clusters. Yeah, the nerd ropes. Oh uh, no, these are like oh. little clusters. Mm. The little nerds are very tiny. Yes. And for some reason, they've attached them to a gummy substance, so it's almost like it looks like an atom. Mm. Yep. They're gummy, and the outside's crunchy with nerds. And he mentioned that at the time, and I wasn't familiar with it. And in between then, I've had them, and he's right that they are. Uh, very, very good. He so knows like his So yeah, it's, it's you don't think too much about football, which kind of it's more than football with him, mm-hmm. and maybe shadowed uh, what he did as a coach. 
but yeah, you, you think about them, you smile, you laugh, and you know, lots of lots of YouTube stuff you can just look at for a long time. Sixty minutes of the thing on them, all the Texas Tech. I mean, that's you know, sixty minutes doesn't do a whole lot of stuff with sports. Mm-hmm. And they decided, oh, this this guy's interesting at Texas Tech with his offense and who he is. So, yeah, it's just it sucks. It's just a yeah. I I really like them. I was wondering if Mississippi State would play in their bowl game or not. I see that they are, and I okay. I'll be fully honest. I was going to pick Illinois in this game. Um, just I you never know, kind of with. Um, with with SEC teams and are they going to be motivated to play? And I really like you know Illinois had a resurgent year. What was it? Is it Chris Brown? Their their running back. I'm not sure. They uh, had a really good defense. I think their defensive coordinator went to Purdue. Yep. So I I was thinking like okay, like Illinois might have this. It was going to be a low confidence point game for me anyway. I think I'm going to have to switch that to Mississippi State now, just because I think they're going to play inspired. They're going to play for him. And um, it's one of those games, like, if you needed any extra motivation, this is certainly it in the, in the worst possible way. Um, but I, they, they are going to play in the ReliaQuest Bowl, which I, it used to be the Outback Bowl. Now we're ReliaQuest. Like, what the hell are we doing here? Um, but, yeah, the players, uh, there's a quote here from um, interim athletic director Bracky Brett. Oh, that doesn't that sound like a Southern name if I ever heard of one. The players are 100% behind playing this bowl game and doing what Coach Leach would expect them to do. We all know that's what Coach Leach would want, and it's what we should do, end quote. So, um, there we go. So, Mississippi State will play in their bowl game, and I believe they will play inspired. You're going to see them give more of an effort than you otherwise would. I would hope anyway, because otherwise, why would you play? Like, if you aren't going to, I mean, th- yes, these are these bowl games are glorified exhibitions. But if you aren't going to, just given the circumstances around this, if you aren't going to play hard because you you know and play for your beloved coach, then then why are you even playing in this bowl game? Because your your mind and stuff won't be there. Yeah, because it's all you're going to think about for the next couple weeks. Like, you're, you're going to practice, and you're going to go to this bowl game, and that's all you're going to think about. Well, yeah, our coach died. He's not here. So, mm-hmm. And we'll see how that'll be. Probably a more anticipated game because of that mm-hmm. than it was before. So, yeah. I'm sure Mike Leach wouldn't give a damn. Oh, yeah, play the game. Yeah, yeah, he would. He would probably be more like, well, I don't know why uh, why we don't have Outback. Like, you got the Bloomin' Onion here and the steak, and uh, you got the you know, the, the flour, and you got this, uh, the, the, the baked potatoes, really good. But, I mean, I don't know much about the vegetables, per se, but I really enjoy the Bloomin' Onion. That's an onion. That's a vegetable. Uh, you want to peel back the layers of it. That's a, the onion's a very underrated vegetable. I, I, that's the type of rant. That's what Mike Leach would say. I say that in uh, with utmost respect and admiration for him. But that would be something that he would say. They was they were playing Iowa State. I think it was at Washington State. They were playing Iowa State in the Alamo Bowl or something a couple years back, and he had been an assistant in Iowa. Some Iowa, some like Iowa Wesleyan or whatever the hell it was. In the 90s, and that's where they got the air raid offense from the coach he was under. 
And he just talked about people of Iowa. And it was just funny about, oh, yeah, we're going down to their Disneyland in Orlando and check that out. You know, the coffee shop. And say, yeah, what did you do, Frank, over the holiday? Yeah, we went down to that Disneyland. Well, it was nice. Nice little place and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, you, you, you never know what, what he was going to talk about or, or what he was going to say. And I don't know what his work schedule was like. And we know that college football coaches, or you know, co- just coaches in general, doesn't matter college or professional, they put in wickedly long hours. Like they devote their whole lives and stuff. They miss so many of life events and, you know, let the years pass. And there's so much stress. And so, I mean, for goodness sakes, Dan Campbell from the Lions, what does he say? He drinks like eight, co- like uh, high energy, like. High espresso, bring coffees and and whatnot, and energy drinks. Like how is his, how is his heart not exploded? I don't know what Mike Leach's regiment was as a coach. Like how many, how much sleep he got, how much, how many days he slept in the office or whatnot. But you just think of you know like the Urban Myers and the Dan Campbells and the, like the Ryan Days and stuff. And like how have these coaches not succumbed to? this ultimate demise and yet Mike Leach has. I I, I just I don't know. Uh it's he'd been sick, like you'd watch him and a couple weeks ago he had this cough at a press conference and probably had pneumonia or had the flu or whatever, but he wasn't all that contributed to whatever happened, but yeah, I don't know if it does. It does. So rest in peace to the pirate, Mike Leach, who, um, as much as we you know know him for the air raid offense and how he kind of changed the game of football in that regard, because uh, he was one of the few court, uh, coaches, I believe, that didn't have his quarterback go under center at all. And now pretty much every team, if if you have a quarterback go under center, it's very odd, if, if, unless you're part of the military academy uh, schools and whatnot. Um but yeah, he he changed as much as he changed the game of football in terms of that air raid offense. I'll remember him more for just the random, funny um, interviews that he would give on like Dan Levitard or his takes on candy and marriage and and dating and whatnot. He was he was one of a kind, and he will be sorely missed. Um, yeah, a true character again, uh, Mike Leach, uh, dead at the age of sixty-one here Monday night. Um, There's no easy way to transition out of that, so let's just talk about the weather. Um, Big winter storm here in the upper Midwest. It had been talked about for the last week, like, oh, look at this big storm. Oh, boy, you know, 6 to 12 inches of snow. You know what? St. Cloud right now, we ain't getting shit. Uh, It's raining, I guess, right now, so maybe that's going to turn to ice. I don't know. Are we... We were supposed to get somewhere between like 6 to 10, 6 to 12 inches of snow. Now I think it's maybe 4 to 6 tops. And maybe we'll get some more snow Thursday and Friday. But this is, uh, you want to talk about, oh, this huge storm. This has been a disappointment so far. And it just goes again to show you why even talk about a storm until it's maybe 1 to 2 days out, not a week out. And say, oh, you better get ready for something. And then it disappoints like this. It's not too bad here in Mitchell. It's been warming up today where it's rain. We haven't had any snow. It's been all rain, but then that shit's going to freeze here pretty soon. It's going to be 29 tonight. So, icing is going to be an issue 
my parents and over by Sioux Falls have more ice than we do. It was not mm-hmm. too bad today. I think it's going to be worse tomorrow. Probably going to get two to four inches of snow. It's windy. We'll see what happens with the icing of the roads. But and they were talking how wet this was going to be. And I guess yeah, it, it, it is wet. And I guess thankfully we don't have a foot of snow. Like maybe Pierre's going to get. Pierre's going to get dumped on. And I want a foot of snow. I want snow. Want that. I don't. I don't. We got four inches last week, which is good and plenty. So we'll get a couple more inches here tomorrow. It's just going to stick around for so long. It was Monday night. It started all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday. It's going to go on a Thursday. It's going to be a long, long system. And then you got thunderstorms down south in my favorite part of the world, Mississippi and Louisiana. So, again, very odd. Well, like it shouldn't be raining in South Dakota two weeks before Christmas. Mm-hmm. I don't can't imagine that has happened a whole hell of a lot. Oh, now they have changed it now for us to five to eight, for St. Cloud, five to eight inches of snow tonight. I'll believe that when I see it. Uh, one to three tomorrow, one to three on Thursday. Uh, yeah, whatever. Just whatever. That's changed now. I mean, that's good that, that whatever. I ain't going to deal with it. It's just meteorologists, and I get, you know, that weather can change. So this is why it's called forecasting. It's not definitive, like, yes, this is exactly what it's going to be. But I, you can't put 10 million people, I get that's not how many are necessarily involved in it, but I guess if you factor it in down south, you're putting millions of people at, you know, on alert, and then... You have schools canceling. Like Noah, Noah didn't have preschool on Tuesday because they canceled the afternoon uh, preschool because of this storm, of this impending storm. And you know because you don't want the morning kids to go and not the afternoon. They just canceled both sessions. So it, he could have gone. I think the I think the the afternoon preschoolers could have gone. I think the most uh, area schools probably could have gone all day or. or whatnot so i i didn't i guess i don't know the full closure list or uh, but there was so much preparation going out and it's better safe than sorry but it's kind of like the boy who cries wolf the next time that they forecast a big storm are we gonna say oh remember that storm they forecasted back december 14th or whatever 13th and we didn't get anything and then you're gonna get caught uh with your pants down because you're unprepared I right, so as much as, I, I, it's just frustrating because you you forecast it, you you prep everyone, and then it just fizzles. Yeah, it's tough sometimes, and then with something like this, where it's you know just a couple degrees either way can change everything. Yes. I mean, two hours to our northwest, they're going to get a foot plus of snow, mm-hmm. and we're going to get freezing rain. So it's not a a hundred and twenty some mile difference is a huge difference. So I'd love to know like what changed, you know, how are your forecasting like what all of a sudden changed to shift the temperature up a few degrees? Like did the jet stream magically move up? Did this you know, this high pressure kind of just stabilize? Like why why does that happen? Why would why would your forecast change from four hours ago 
where it was just uh-huh. rain and stuff to now all of a sudden snow or vice versa. Like what what specifically has changed and how did you not how are you not able to forecast that earlier? And I love weather. I love the meteorologists. I wanted to go to school at one point for meteorology. Figured out there was way too much math and science there. I said, no, no, I can't do that. Um, and they get paid a lot because forecasting the weather is very difficult. But again, oh, you know, watch out for this storm of the century or whatever. And then eh, this, like, no, it, it, there's, there, it's nothing right now. We've, we've got plenty of weather. So you're... Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm going more off the same cloud. You got plenty of snow there. They closed the interstate from Chamberlain to Rapid City. Um, it's, it's a big enough mess here that we, we got it, so. Yeah. I guess. Good. But, but for you guys, when they were talking about this storm last week, what was the initial forecast? Has it been pretty consistent throughout this whole week? Yeah, we're, for us, it's the ice. It's not the snow. It's the ice. Or it's going to start as rain, it's going to freeze. Mm-hmm. So at least here it's been pretty accurate. Okay. Or expecting to get. So, so they weren't saying, oh, it's snow, and then all of a sudden change to ice. Yeah. Or like, we're, we're right on the edge here. Like, we weren't in any warning or advisory yesterday for a long time. And they finally put us in a winter weather advisory, a very small strip. They've got... Uh, blizzard warnings for pretty much the entire western part of the state. Uh, winter storm warning for much of the eastern parts. Sioux Falls and Brookings, they're not at anything. But they're still getting some ice, very icy, even though they don't have any warnings or watches. And I think they were in an ice storm warning yesterday. Or yeah. that, that's what they were forecasted for, would be was to be in an ice storm warning. And they've got it. So they've got ice storm warning for uh, Watertown, northeastern corner. So, yeah, for us, it's the ice. And then for here, it's going to be eight to, or 12 to 18 inches of snow. So, um, I guess last week, they kind of maybe undersold it to where we got four, four and a half inches of snow. And they were only forecasting like two to four top. But they were at the top of their projections, I guess. So, if anything, they maybe undersold it a little bit last week. Sioux Falls got like six, seven inches, which maybe was... I think there was some thunder snow, too, if I saw something on, on I think, video on Twitter or something. Apparently, this is the National Weather Service says, this was an hour ago, said, in the past 30 minutes, we did detect one lightning strike near Mitchell. Mm. So, I didn't hear that or see that. So, yeah, just a big low pressure system, I guess, that's... And it's been around for like two days. And just continue. Like, if, you know, they say an inch of rain is equal to a foot of snow. Yep. And, you know, what do you take if it's hard? It's, either way, it sucks. Well, I, I'm all for if they've changed the forecast for St. Cloud, I'm all for five to eight inches of snow. Give it to us. I, I want snow. I don't want to see grass on, on Christmas. And that's what, it you know, more often than not, it's like that's what we've been getting lately if i want grass for christmas i'll go to uh willie nelson's house or also go to like florida or texas or something i can see there there no snow so i don't want that um so that's that that's me bitching about the weather um now let's get to the vikings losing to the line yeah yeah let's get to the vikings losing to the lions it's not a i was not surprised by it i picked the lions last week 
Um, and now I am all aboard with you and everyone else with the Fire Ed Donatel train because if you become the first team in Vikings history to give up 400 plus yards in five consecutive games, that's not good. You need to figure something out. There's uh, that pass rush is non-existent, and I will say. That the Vikings, you know, Kirk Cousins throws 425, two touchdowns. He was great. Justin Jefferson sets a single game receiving record for the Vikings, 223 yards. Run game was non-existent. That jump pass that they were trying to do, too too cute towards the end. Like, why would you do that? I just run it in, get down 14-10 at half. I thought that there were three, three instances in this game where momentum swung towards the Lions. One was that Dalvin Cook fumble. Where you just run it towards the to the end of the half and you know make the lines waste timeouts and and not have a chance to score. Uh, worst case scenario, you get a field goal. You're down 14-10 at half. Great. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson had a bad a bad drop in the first half too on a third down. It was right in his hands. He should have made it. They could have at, at least gotten a field goal opportunity. I would think on that drive. So that was points lost. And then the fake punt by Detroit. Uh, Caught the Vikings sleeping, got a first down that was right away in the second half. Those three plays I thought really swung momentum in favor of Detroit. Um, but when you're missing 40% of your starting offensive line, Darisaw and Bradbury, and Bradbury's played well this year, and you're without Harrison Smith, that that captain, just to kind of quarterback, he's the quarterback of the defense. I guess he, him and Eric Kendricks. When you don't have those three important guys, that's not that doesn't bode well for you. Even if they're not, you know, like Harrison Smith may not be playing great, and the defense still would have given up a bunch of yards. Um, as I stop ranting here in a second, um, but still, even without Harrison Smith, the defense was awful, awful. And something needs to happen. Uh, this this has to be one and done for Ed Donatel because he's bad. This is kind of what I've been talking about for a while. You have, you have, have said the Ben. It, it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't take losses for people to realize. Oh, this defense sucks. It shouldn't. It, everything's about wins and losses, but it shouldn't be. When you win the game, it's all oh, we won. Why did we win? Well, because we scored two touchdowns in the last quarter, and we did this, and the defense got to stop and. Mm-hmm. Buffalo fumbled at the one, and this happened, that happened. And then when you lose, it's like, well, why did we lose? Well, good defense gave up 450 yards, and we did this, and we did that wrong, and we couldn't stop anybody, and that's why we lost the game. Yep. Well, it's like, my attitude is, just because you win a lot of games like they've done doesn't mean you're any good. And that's why I've been, like, pretty much, kind of what I've been on all year long. This isn't a good team. This is a 500 team. With they're 10 and three now, and their point differential is negative one. Yep. Which is that's kind of where it should be. Detroit's is plus two, I think. Detroit's giving up more points than any team in the league, but their offense is really good. Mm-hmm. That's why they scored one or two more points than they've given up. So, yeah, I thought they would lose. They did. We've seen Detroit and the Vikings play four times these past two years. There is not any difference between them. Um, games have come down to the final minute, final seconds, pretty much four straight times. There's not much there. So 
it bothers me that it took this game before people say, "Oh, our defense is terrible." It, it, it's been it was terrible against the Jets. Yep, a week ago. it was awful against the Cowboys. It was not good mm-hmm. versus England. Like this defense has been pretty bad pretty much every game this year. You have to change coordinators because he's not going to change what he's doing. Obviously, yep. The idea of just give him a bunch of yards and hope to shit you get a turnover and you hold him to a field goal. Yep. Like, that's not defense. That's fucking gambling in Vegas. <laughs> Let me put $10 on red and see if it fucking hits. Yep. Hey, no. You're right. You're, you're right. I kept it. saying they were a bend but don't break defense. Um, you know, they were getting... No, they were it's, it's, don't stop anybody defense. It's like they're playing a prevent defense for the past three months. I was also, like, trying to say, like, okay, you know, learning a 3-4 is, is important. They've had a lot of injuries in the secondary, too, but at the same time, Zadarius and Daniil Hunter need to be getting more pressure. So, I, yeah, it's bad. Um, I will say this, though. If the Packers were doing this, if the Packers were 9-0 and in one-score games, we would be talking about how clutch Aaron Rodgers is in these situations and how good the Packers are. So I think there is a national stigma against the Vikings because it is the Vikings and not, say, in Aaron Rodgers and the Packers or Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. If they were doing the same thing that Kirk Cousins and the Vikings are doing right now, they want, they would be talking about how clutch this team is. So I think there is something to be said for that. It's not what they're doing, it's, it's who is doing it. Um, but yet, that still doesn't take away from how this defense has regressed mightily over the last five-plus games. I think Kevin O'Connell got out-coached. Oh, he was bad. This was easily his worst game as a head coach. It seems like that happens. It's like, you know, the Cowboys was a disaster of a game. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles was a disaster of a game. And this one was in that category as well. To where you, you go for two when they did down eight, and you rarely see that. And I understand what he's doing. Where if you get it, you're down six, and then you score again, and you can be up by one. But they didn't do that, and you shouldn't have to do that against the Lions. Mm-hmm. That's not all. We, we're playing the Bills. We're playing the Chiefs. We're playing the Eagles. We're playing a team we shouldn't beat. Let's let's try and steal some points here, and then that. Screwed them the rest of the game because now they're down eight. Yep. And I understand the analytics of it, and sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. But they never consider, okay, what if this doesn't work? It's always like, well, if you get this fourth and one at your 30, the drive continues. Or, hey, if you get this fourth and goal at the two, you get a touchdown. Oh, yeah. I what, some... if you, what if you fucking don't get it? Yeah. One one. We don't score at all. Yep. So they, they it's an eight-point game. Detroit scores a touchdown to, to go up 15. Mm-hmm. Now you're screwed because field goals do you no good. Mm-hmm. If you're down 14, field goals are still a possibility because you do some quick math. You're down 14, you kick a field goal, you're down 11. Mm-hmm. With another field goal, you're down 8. Mm-hmm. And that means one game you can score with a touchdown and win it. Yep. If you're down 15, you kick a field goal, you're down 12. You're still down two touchdowns. Yep. You kick another field goal, you're down nine. Still down a touchdown and something else. So now you're down really uh, four scores when you factor in a field goal. Yep. And they kicked a field goal down 15 
to make it a 12 point game. I'm mm-hmm. like, what the fuck for? This doesn't this doesn't do me any good. Good. Yep. Uh, if you were down 14 and kicked the field goal, and then you're down 11, like, oh, I can come back, kick another one, get a stop, and be down eight. And try. So that that was bad. I hate chasing points. I hate chasing points. There were a couple of times where I was like, yeah, you know what? Screw it. I, the, honestly, I think there was a fourth and one or fourth and like a half yard in um, in Lions territory in the first half. And I was like, go for it. I At this point, you're going to, you almost need to chase the points. They, they went for it once before, didn't get it. I, I like their aggressiveness there. They should have gotten it. I mean, if you can't get a yard, then. What are we doing here? Also, stop with the pitches. Stop with these ridiculous pitch uh, handoffs because they get nowhere. Dalvin Cook loses four or five yards every time. Stop it. Just stop with that. It's ridiculous. I don't like it. So I would have liked the Vikings maybe to go for it on fourth down a couple of times. But I agree. Like, I hate chasing points. And that leads me into, I think, I, I don't like Brandon Staley, head coach for the Chargers. And it's, it's nothing personal against him except his philosophy of constantly going for it on fourth down. Or Cliff Kingsbury Monday night, going for it on fourth down, foregoing field goals. When, just get some points. Because when you don't get it, you look like a damn fool. Kick a field goal, get some points on the board. I get I might be a little more conservative, but these guys go for it constantly, and I feel like they don't get it half the time. Half the time they do. Great. But I watched that game Sunday night. Staley left at least six or nine points on there, and that could have come back to bite him. And Cliff Kingsbury did the same thing on um, on Monday night. He left six points on the on the board there. And, oh, look at that. The, the Cardinals lost by 14. If they had gotten those six points, it would have been a one-score game still. Completely changes everything. So I hate it. I hate the analytics and saying, look, we got to go for it, go for it. How about you just kick a field goal? We don't all have Justin Tuckers, I get it, but I, I hate going for it as much as these teams do. It's stupid. Because yeah, the analytics thing, however they figure it out, like it's like fourth and one, you should make it. If you run the ball, you're going to make it 75% of the time. If you pass it, you're going to make it 60 Eight percent of the time, or whatever the numbers show. Sure, that may that's, past events do not predict future outcomes. Just because it's happened in the past, and look at my current know, offensive line. Like, yeah, you have to factor in everything. Who am I? Like, who am I playing? And, and there's a lot of different factors in there. So, um, this isn't a computer simulation. No. This is real-life stuff with real-life people, so we have to factor all that in. And last week against the Jets, I thought they should have ran the ball more. Mm-hmm. And this week, they couldn't do diddly-poo running the ball, and they continued to run it when Kirk Cousins should have had about 500 yards and Jefferson should have had about 280. Like, they cannot stop him passing the ball. So why- on, these, on these pitches, if he has gained more than four yards on 10, maybe five carries this whole year on these pitches, I would be stunned in the game with like just under four minutes to go because Jefferson never stepped out. He scores that touchdown there after slipping those uh, couple of tackles. Now look at that. I don't know. Or why would you call like, him out? Was very close. I mean, yeah, he, he may have, he may not have. They're not even a looker because of the yes! early in the season. 
Yes. There was, there was pass interference on Jefferson or Detroit. It was on Detroit. Because, again, they're all the same to me because all the games are the same. Oh, it came down to can you get a third down stop is what this game, game came down to. And they did. They kicked the field goal and they won by 11. Yep. Well, and that's so. – and that's also the thing, too, with the Vikings' defense is that their third-down defense in recent weeks had been fairly good. Like, what, New England was 3 of 16 on third down. That's good. That's the bend but don't break. But when you're giving up third and eights consistently, like, it's just it's so frustrating. you got to get off the field on third down. They couldn't do it. Um, I, I feel like this Colts game should be a fairly easy W because – Jeff Saturday oh, doesn't know. I said I said it feels like it should. It won't be though. The Vikings should win this game. They should be winning the division. Uh they should clinch it on Saturday. But we know that A, it either won't happen or B, they will make it way, way, way too close. Much closer than it needs to. Matt Ryan and company will have a chance to to tie the game later or win it. It's just it's it's inevitable. They should beat the Colts. The Colts are not a good team. But the Vikings are going to let them hang around. You got to put the the pedal to the metal. You got to put the foot on the throat and just take it right now. Come on. Colts beat the Chiefs. And they probably should have beat the Eagles. Yes, they should have. So I think Vikings are a four-point favorite. I had some person last week tell me, oh, I put $1,000 on the Vikings to win last week when they were like a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Uh-oh. I'm like, oh, okay. I've seen the Lions and Vikings play these last couple of years, and I've seen the Vikings play this year. So it's not ridiculous to think, oh, yeah, Detroit at two-and-a-half-point favorites. No, yeah. Yeah, they were, and they won by 11. So I would yeah. – uh... People need to be this upset during wins when it's the exact same. It's the, it's the, it's the exact same. Mm-hmm. It's another week. It's the 13th game of the season. And outside of two losses to the Eagles in Dallas, every game has been very, very similar. Again, I'm looking at playoff wins and Super Bowls, and that's not what this team is. So that's why I'm not. Mm-hmm. Very at this point, I don't think they're getting the two seed. I think San Francisco is going to jump them. Yeah. So that means you got a playoff game at home, and if you win that, you go to San Francisco. And I'm about as interested in that as I am in fucking going outside right now. Well, that'd be a pretty interesting game, wouldn't it, in San Francisco? <laughs> Boy, Brock Purdy looked good. Uh, just annihilating Tampa Bay. Uh, the Bucks they look atrocious. Um, Eagles look. Uh, what does that say for evaluators? Uh, not good. Not much. Uh, Brock Purdy, who was a good quarterback at Iowa State, can come in and do just fine. It's and a- you know, I, I, I like the 49ers. I like them for a while. They're style of football. But what does it say that they, they have to trade up? They, they trade up in the draft for Trey Lance. Yeah. They think it's going to be the thing that really puts them over the top. Yep. And they take Brock Purdy with the final pick. And he has done much more in two games than Trey Lance has done in his career thus far. For sure. 
And they both probably played similar amounts of time. I th- I think it would so a couple things with that. I think I'll, it's one is the sister the the ceiling. So I think Trey Lance's athletic skill set he he vaults. He has a higher ceiling than in that regard over a Brock Purdy. But you also have to look at the consistency of the quarterback uh, and the the system. Like there are some quarterbacks who are just better in a in a certain system. And also the head coach. Like, what does the head coach do that makes the quarterback comfortable within the system? Right now, what we can see is that Kyle Shanahan, masterful at getting the quarterbacks to fit his system correctly. Like Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo playing fairly good football for the most part. And now we're seeing the same from Brock Purdy, uh, a rookie. But, hey, I'm going to utilize your your strengths. We're not going to ask you to do too much. It really helps when you have all-pro running back, an all-pro wide receiver, and a, and a very good, a top-five tight end. I mean, you have weapons, and they have a very good offensive line and an outstanding defense. So Brock Purdy isn't having to do it all on his own. But you're right. You trade up for Trey Lance, and then you get Brock Purdy with the very last pick this last year. And it's almost like, oh, maybe I'd rather uh, stick with Purdy than, than go with Lance. And yet they can't do that because of all uh, because of their investment in the Lance. Yeah, this is another thing like Zach Wilson and Mike White where Mike White time and time again has shown in every way that he is better mm-hmm. than Zach Wilson. And yet Zach Wilson will get shot after shot, and Trey Lance will get a shot. And if Brock Purdy wins a goddamn Super Bowl this season, which I don't think is all that ridiculous. Nope, I don't either. You and me, I think it's going to be Eagles in San Francisco to play to see who gets to the Super Bowl. Yep. And we'll see what happens there. So how do you go and take Brock Purdy out of the line. If you've been wanting to replace Jimmy Garoppolo for years, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe Brock Purdy is just a younger, cheaper Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. But all right, take Jimmy Garoppolo on his way. You don't got to pay him $20 million or whatever. you got Trey Lance. Again, potential to me means that you haven't played a lot and that you might be good, but we don't know because we haven't seen you all that much because we played one season of FCS football on the best team that had the most talent in FCS. Yep. So I've never heard somebody say, oh, this guy's got a lot of potential for a fifth-year senior. I've never heard a fifth-year senior be called, he's got a lot of potential. I've heard, you know, seniors in high school and freshmen and sophomores come out and say they got potential. Because all potential means is we haven't seen him play that much, so we don't know what's going to happen. Think of all the picks they could have gotten if they had just stayed with Jimmy Garoppolo, not traded up for Trey Lance, and then taken Brock Purdy this year. Think about that. They could and, have traded up with Kyle Pitts. Yes, and you know what? They could have just taken Kyle Pitts. Oh, yeah, no, no, they, they traded up. Yeah, uh, yep. They, and also, the 49ers are one of the luckiest franchises in all of the NFL, certainly, because of how they treated Jimmy Garoppolo in this offseason. They wanted to trade him. He gets the shoulder surgery, and they, and then Trey Lance gets hurt. I don't know if Brock Purdy would have the same sort of success if he had to have come in early on in the in the year again, uh, like for Trey Lance. I don't know for sure, but, I mean, for the, the fact that the, the 49ers kept Jimmy G around and uh, like, oh, you know, almost groveling at his feet. Like, hey, we treated you like shit, and now we really need you. Um, 
I don't I don't know. That speaks to to me like the 49ers are very lucky that things worked out the way they did. Uh, but also it speaks to like a hey, maybe you guys need to you guys have gotten lucky more so than good at this quarterback position here, uh, at least when it comes to Jimmy G. Like maybe you need to evaluate where this team is going here moving forward. Brett Favre didn't act that nice when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. No. And Aaron Rodgers sure wasn't all that helpful early on to Jordan Love. Correct. But even now, there's no reason to play Aaron Rodgers. You need to see what you have in Jordan Love, but they're not going to do that, it appears. They're going to continue to play the almost 40-year-old quarterback instead of the guy that might be good, but we don't know because he's hardly played in three years. Mm-hmm. Let's continue to throw Rodgers out there. So. Yeah, it's interesting. It's I, I like it a lot that Brock Purdy can come in and have instant success. He comes in and everybody like, well, there goes San Francisco Super Bowl hopes. When he comes in, he does does fine against the Dolphins. They blow out the Buccaneers, who are an awful team. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I was watching it, and oh, he beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Like, yes, one of the ten worst teams in football this year. He beat them. Mm-hmm. So it's like put this into perspective. San Francisco, in my opinion, has the best defense in football, so that helps a whole hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. And they played Tampa Bay again. A team that's going to win that division with like eight wins, but has a terrible offense and is no good. Are you so sure they're going to win that division? Because Carolina somehow is hanging around in there. They've turned their season around since firing Matt Rule. I think at, I I feel like Atlanta uh, kind of messed up by saying we're going to go to Desmond Ritter. I feel like they just have kind of said, okay, we don't care about the division anymore. Marcus Mariota is no good. Well, he he isn't, but I don't know if Desmond Ritter's that much better. Well, this is the thing where you got to find out, and why not? You can't do any worse than what they've done. They got up to a okay starts, and their offense this past month has been Shit. not good. And then you've got the Panthers, you've got Sam Darnold, which, no, no, thank you. I mean, they've got the Steelers this week, they've got the Lions, they're not going to beat the Lions. And then they got to go to Tampa Bay, so... They could, I had those they could I be Tampa, though. I, I don't know. Just, it's... I mean, they, uh, they beat the Bucks 21-3 earlier this year, so we'll see. And, and with that, there's still a game behind them. So, and then, um, I'm going to say something that's ridiculous. Okay. Um, who are your top three teams in the NFC? Top three teams in the NFC. Right now, Philadelphia is clear number one. San Francisco yeah. two. Yeah. Um, three it has to be Dallas. Yeah, I agree with all that. You could make the argument the Lions are number four. Uh. We're mm. better than the Vikings. I just watched them play. And but their defense is bad. Their defense is not good. I think mean, it probably says more about how bad everybody else is rather than oh the Lions are good. Like the Lion, you know, bad defense, good offense. I I would I would I would make the argument the Lions are the 
fourth best team in the NFC, partially because nobody else is really good. People would say the Vikings. You know how I feel about them. Yep. I don't. I mean, they are better than the Vikings. They played. They beat them last year. They beat them this year. The Vikings have won twice. Very close. There's. There's no difference between them, so I'll just give it no, to Detroit. I will give it. I have to go with the Vikings because they've won more games. Uh, and you, I think if you're going to look at, you can't use the argument that, oh, the Vikings defense is bad, but look at the Lions and how many points they've given up and how bad their defense is. And I think the Vikings offense is still a little better than the Lions. I would put the Lions at five. I think they're very close. And I would not be surprised next year with the schedule makers if we get a primetime Vikings-Lions game, as crazy as that sounds, because they've been awfully entertaining. And also, I'm, I'm, I'm guaranteeing it right now. They're going to play Detroit, the Vikings are, in thanks, or in Detroit on Thanksgiving. The Lions slate is absolutely awful when it comes to their home. They get the Panthers and the Falcons, the Broncos and the Raiders. Well, it's not a CBS year for the Lions. It's a Fox year. So it's it's all going to come down to the, the North. Uh, are you going to put the Bears on? God, I hope not. The Packers, well, they don't look all that great. The Vikings, it's been entertaining. You get Justin Jefferson featured. I'm going to say the Vikings at Detroit on Thanksgiving. I've been saying it for a couple weeks. I And just after this last week, I'm now starting to think that maybe they put a, the Vikings-Lions in maybe a Monday night game next year, too. Well, like that would be so much better than 75% of Monday night games. Yeah. Like, what, what's Joe Buck and L. Michaels think? Like, oh, I got a lot of money, but... I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing any any games, any premier games again. I'm just. They're, they're just not. Yep. Like if you're not on Fox or CBS, like you're not going to get Chiefs Bills. Like you're not going to be remotely close to the best game of the week. You're just not. ESPN does get uh, the opportunity to flex next year. I think five games. In the latter stage, like so, we wouldn't get Colts, um, Steelers, uh, Rams, Packers. You would be able to flex that into something else. Which, by the way, the Rams, Baker Mayfield, unbelievable against the Raiders coming back. Like it was an unbelievable comeback, and he played very well considering he just was in LA for forty-eight hours. Baker Mayfield is a guy that I can root for, so I'm rooting. You know, I think he's been dealt a raw hand. Yes, has he done some of the things? on his own that maybe I wouldn't uh, recommend? Has he kind of pushed the envelope a bit, maybe too far to one one way or the other? Yes. But overall, I root for Baker. Uh, I think he was given a raw deal in Cleveland. And uh, what he did against the Raiders, you just want to end a team's playoff hopes. A, a surging team, a team that you know people were kind of thinking maybe can make a late playoff run here or push, lurking, shall we say. Um yeah, you just completely doused uh, doused their dreams with uh, gasoline. And I mean, it's just, with TJ Hawkinson just coming in and playing, and Baker Mayfield just showing up and playing, like it kind of puts the damper on all this football thing. Is really tough. I'm sure it is, but it's like Baker Mayfield just got there two days ago. I think they make it more complicated than what it has to be. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't say easy, but I think 
teams go way way above and beyond making the game more complex than it has to be. Eric, like this is your job. This is football. You've been doing this for your whole entire life. You got guys like John Gruden. And I think uh, Sean McVay would be in this category to where they think they're smart and they have all of these ridiculously long play calls. Mm-hmm. Why banana this? X banana that. Mm-hmm. 20 different words. Like, why? It, it, it can't be that complicated. Why would you make it more complicated than it is? Like, make it as simple as possible. Yep. X11 flash zero. I don't know. Why would any play call have to be more than four or five words? You have to know what the offensive linemen are doing. You have to know what the running backs are doing. You have to know what the receivers are doing. You have three different groups of people, maybe tight ends. Why do you have to have something so complicated? So you need a letter, you need a number, you need a couple of words. A play call should never be more than four or five words. My dad and my uncle, when they were growing up, made plays. And my dad taught them to me. So we'll, we'll play football. Like we call it like just a 242 or a 241, 253. We practice these routes. It it's that's all it is. It there's nothing yeah, else. Yeah, make it a number system. Yeah. You could everybody could have a wristband. You could just remember it. Yep. You don't need 200 plays. There are 60 plays in a football game. There are about 60 to 70, maybe. Mm-hmm. At the high end. You need to know like 40 or 50 plays. Yep. So yeah, don't don't make this thing more complicated than it has to. And I would say the Lions. Uh, you put them at five, which is fine. I mean, the Lions beat Washington in week two, 36 to. I mean, they're better than Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost to Seattle, 48-45. Um, they beat the Giants a couple weeks ago. Yep. So yeah, I mean, it it, it seems ridiculous to say oh, the Lions, the fourth best team, they're six and seven. But then you look at the other teams in the mix: Seattle, Giants, Vikings, Washington. They're just as good than most of those teams. Well, if you look at the Giants and the Seahawks, they're floundering. They're they're falling back to the pack. Washington has surged a little bit. Detroit is surging. Minnesota kind of falling back to the pack a little bit. Um, that's, I think, like, why I you're looking I at wanna, it. I don't, I don't want to play Detroit again. I don't either. I don't, I don't want to play Washington again. We've played those teams, and it's been too close for me to feel comfortable. We'll see how they do against the Giants. But it's like, yeah, I don't want to play those teams because we've played them. And the games were basically possible. I just want the division sewn up this weekend. I just want them to win. I want them to look good. I want them to win the division. I don't want to rely on the Lions losing to the Jets this week. Because everyone's like, oh, Vikings, we could, you know, they're gonna win this division and everything's good. I'm like, I'm not I'm not saying anything. Yes, they should win the division. But the, nothing is guaranteed until either they win or the Lions lose. And I have seen too many times the collapses of these Minnesota sports teams and just the garbage. No, I can't do it. I can't do it at all. Um, anything else NFL related? Do the Vikings sew up the North this week? Do they get the win over the Colts? I'm going to say yes, but it, it's going to be much closer than it needs to be. Yeah, they win like 27 to 24. 
Yeah, it's old ass Matt Ryan. Okay. Yeah, the Cowboys almost lose to Houston. Yep. Which would have went one of the one of the biggest upsets ever when they were seventeen and a half point favorites. We talk about analytics, and I I like the decision by Houston to go for it there on fourth down. Like, like you had first and goal at the five, you shouldn't you should have been able to get in, and they didn't. But I like the decision to go for it on fourth down versus kicking the field goal because it would have required Dallas to go 98 yards for a touchdown, which they did, but they hadn't shown that they could do anything offensively for that. So that was one of the analytical points that I thought was actually a good decision by Lovey Smith. Let's go and try and get up by 10 here. And if we don't get it, force the, the Cowboys to drive 98 yards down the field and score a touchdown. Or if you, they have to kick a field goal, if they settle for a field goal, the game's tied. We go into overtime. And for them, it doesn't matter. They're the worst team in football. Go for the win. Yeah, you, they can win games and... Yeah. Well, you're not playing to tie. Just win. So, you know, kick a field goal, you're probably going to lose anyway. So, yeah, you're going to get the first pick, you know. And, and you, know, you know, you've got Seattle. I mean, Seattle's got the second pick right now, I think, maybe. Yes. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, then it'd be Chicago three. And the Eagles are going to have a top five pick? Yes. Yeah, the Saints uh, don't so start like, winning. That's interesting for them. And, like, Lions are going to have a top five pick, maybe. So what, what do you do for the Lions where Jared Goff is doing well and he's not old? And if, do you like one of these quarterbacks? Do you like C.J. Stroud? And do you say, well, we've got a chance to maybe get a top five quarterback we like. I don't think C.J. Stroud's going to be any good. Or we've got a chance to get like Will Anderson from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Or we've got a chance. I mean, they should just poured up on defensive guys like nobody's business. Or, or do you um, trade that pick? Maybe you aren't like 100% sold that Jared Goff is the guy. Do you trade that pick for a 2024 first-round pick? Maybe get a 2025 first-round pick? Kind of like what the Eagles do. They accumulate I, picks, and then they trade back and get additional first-round picks in later drafts. Um, almost like what the Oklahoma City Thunder do in the NBA. But maybe the Lions do that. Maybe they just need to see kind of where their final stance is. And if a quarterback-needy team is really there, if you really like what you saw from Jared Goff this year, try him again this next year. And if he doesn't work out, get you'll have at least two first-round picks. You can package those up and trade up and get a good uh, high quarterback, a Caleb Williams, in 2024. I think the Lions are in a, a win-now mode. So we're all right. Our offense is good. Our defense needs a lot of help. We got Aiden Hutchinson, we like him. They got a couple good linebackers. They got Jeff Akuda. Mm-hmm. They've got a couple of guys. Like, all right, we need to strike now. Let's get maybe the de- the best defensive player in the draft, whoever that may be. But I think they keep it and they go defense. And they and, and there's if you're Detroit, right now you're looking at this division and saying we can win this thing next year. Yes. The amount of, of, of close games they've lost this year. Like, you know what? We can beat the Packers. We can beat the Vikings. We can beat the Bears. There's no team in the division we can't beat. Mm-hmm. Um, we're putting things together. Our goal should be to make the playoff next year. Goal number two should be to do that with by being a division winner. Mm-hmm. So if they keep it and they go with Jared Goff. If, they, if, if our defense can be 15% better next year, we, we might win 10 games. 
And I think the Vikings, though, from that same standpoint, the offense is going to be just as good, if not better. And I think if the defense can get 25% better, 25 to 33% better, the Vikings, it's going to be a two-horse race next year. And depending on what, I will never discount the Packers as long as they have Aaron Rodgers. Um, But right now, I would say you get that same argument that you just made for the Lions, you can make for the Vikings. And I think the Vikings are actually in a slightly, I was going to say a little more advantageous position, but the salary cap costs them a little bit. But I like their offense more than I do Detroit's. With that Vikings thing, it's like how much of it is luck? Are you going to win all the close games next year? Are you going to lose them? Well, they lost them all last year. It's evening out this year. Or are you going to go 50-50? Like if you go 50-50... Like this year, if it's 50-50, they're, they're 7-6 and six instead of 10-3. and three. So maybe you don't win all every, every single close game. Well, next year they play the West. Uh, so that's Kansas City, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos. I say they win three. I, they can win three of the four games against the West. Um, they play the NFC South. They could sweep that. Probably three out of four. Uh, um like the the the, NF, the the NFC East is what the AFC West was supposed to. Be. Yes, yes. Every team in the playoffs, every team at nine or ten wins. Mm-hmm. Like no, Raiders suck, Broncos suck. That's Chargers. why I say like the Vikings. I could see them winning three of the four. Um, yeah. Three or four against the the West. Three or four against the South. The NFC South. They have to go to. Philadelphia, that's a loss. They have to. They'll host San Francisco more than likely. That's probably a loss. Um, so, which by the way, I did, so everyone, you know, the, the the NFL. A lot of players are talking about. We need all natural grass. Um, how that work out? Yeah. How how did that work out after Monday night with Kyler Murray busting his knee on a you know torn ACL and you had. Three or four other Patriots that, uh, three or four Patriots that got knocked out of the game due to injuries. How's that natural grass versus art of, uh, the 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 turf or whatever they're using now at, at U.S. Bank Stadium in Ford Field? How, how's that uh, um, argument? I'm not hearing anything from people. These no, uh, you don't today. really hear. Oh, well, we need uh, turf everywhere. Those people went away. It's like, well, maybe you should have turf. It. it it doesn't matter. Studies have shown grass turf. It doesn't matter. Oh, it, it maybe matter. maybe Debo Samuel would have stayed healthy and wouldn't have had a you know busted uh, hurt ankle and and sprained MCL if he had if they were playing on turf. Oh, that injury happened on grass. And then yeah. I get that it's a contact injury there. Kyler Murray's was not. But you just you look at the number of guys that went down in that Monday night game between New England and Arizona, and it's like oh. I don't get any satisfaction out of seeing Kyler Murray go down, but it really shut up the crowd of, oh, we need all-natural grass in all these stadiums because you could just say, oh, really? Look at what just happened to Kyler Murray. Look what happened to Ramondre Stevenson. These guys got knocked out because they were on and they were on grass. So what do you, what do you say about that? Shut up. That's what I say. Beer uh, Strong Jr. had a nice night. Yes. Um, Panay Sewell on that game clincher, basically, what a nutsy call that was. Yep. Eric Kendricks. 
Eric Hendricks has to guard him. I, I, I get that you probably don't expect a big 300-plus pound offensive tackle to go out for a pass, but he was wide open. The Vikings were completely asleep on that. They've been asleep. They're, they're hibernating. They've that's, been asleep. True. that's true. They like bears. And the Vikings also have, uh, I guess you're going to play the Eagles again at Philadelphia. That should be a goddamn pleasure. <laughs> They'll play uh, AFC North winner. So at Bengals or yeah, Bengals Ravens, and then uh, NFC West. So we have San Francisco again. So yeah, that's a tough schedule. I don't like that. We have to see what happens in free agency and every everything like that. You know that things change, injuries happen. If they play the Bengals next year, if the Bengals win the North, um, I think that Bengals Vikings game would be prime time because you get Jamar Chase against Justin Jefferson. Uh, which would be um, pretty must-see TV there. I, I do believe that the Vikings, despite their record, I don't believe they'll get a lot of primetime games next year. I'm going to predict four at the most. I get that's twice as much as this year, but I'm factoring in that, like, uh, Thanksgiving. A, a, a factoring in Thanksgiving. I'm giving them a Sunday night. I'll give them a Monday night, and I'll throw in another prime video Um Game, so I'll go four tops, but really it's three plus Thanksgiving. We haven't played the Bears yet on Monday night, so we'll do that. That's, that's yeah. why I say I think the Lions are on Monday night. If I had to venture a guess, venture a guess, Chiefs are going to be a late afternoon kickoff, maybe a Sunday night. Um, I hope that's not at noon, but we'll see. Um, Eagles would maybe be a a primetime game because who doesn't want to see the Vikings get slaughtered by the Eagles again in primetime just like they did last year Lions maybe in primetime uh, so primetime and Thanksgiving game I would hope the NFL would do that likely won't and then a sneaky game the Saints I think the Saints should travel to Minnesota for a prime video game that's that's my my thought so not as we speak yes yep if you're listening, Mike North and uh, Charlotte Carey stuff at the NFL, that I'm, I'm available. I'm available to help you create this schedule. I want to do it. I will put in the time. I'll put in the hour. I, I, I want to do this. Please. Put them in the room. Put them in the goddamn room. Yes, yes. I, do it. Do it. Um, college football bowl mania starts this week. Uh, did we need to get anything else uh, regarding the NFL? Well, no, I agree. Okay. Bowl Mania starts this week. Uh, we got bowl season, uh, so definitely uh, join our group. It's Sports Lounge. The Amon Free is it the Amon Freeman Black Sock Invitational, right? Something like that. So uh, we have some games this week. I am going to try and pull up. Uh, have you done your confidence picks? I did all mine uh, this last weekend. You have or have not? I have not. Okay. Um, I should do that here with just these for a Friday. Friday, we got to go. I should do this with the first batch of games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I got um, Jackson State very high. See, I'm, I'm trying to do my best and abide by my... Um, it's just my, something you made up. You don't have to do it. No, I'm, I'm no, I'm, I'm trying to abide by my um, reasonings here. Of I don't want to pick an SEC team to either win or pick them, uh, or if I do pick them to win, it's going to be low. 
Um, if it's before December 27th, if you lost your head coach, I'm not picking your team to win very high, if I pick them at all. And then, uh, what was the other? Th- yeah, I think those were the main two. And then I'm trying to look at in the January 1st. Yep, the, the transfer portal and stuff. I'm looking at that and stuff. So with Jackson State, yes, they're more talented than North Carolina Central, but Prime is in Colorado right now. So... I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. Coaching the bowl game. Let's see. I think, yes, he will. He will this coach. Will last, this will be the last game for Deion Sanders. He will coach the game. Okay. Can you help me with something? Okay. To press the button? Okay. Dad, can I have okay. someone with those treats you, you got? Give them, give them the treats. Give, give them, them the treats. This is all empty, buddy. So there we go. Oh. The Skittles are empty. Do we have any more? We can see uh, when I'm done talking to Travis. Where do we stand on Sam? What? What? Where does what now? What? Has no one visited Santa yet? This have, you, year? have you visited Santa yet? No. Are you going to? Um. Well, we'll have to go to North Pole. Nah, that's long. Coming down here, maybe you can meet him in Baby Bismarck. Do Do you, where? Should we just write him a letter? Yeah, and then send it off. Send it off. Okay. Tomorrow when it's windy, because what if? What if? It, can you press the button yeah. to make it yeah. go? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So it, it's it's very logical. We can't go to the North Pole. So. Oh, I mean, he knows his geography. He's yeah. what? Is he current, what? Four years old he next be, week. He will be yeah. five on Friday. Gonna be five. Yes. Well, I'm excited for him. Okay. He's out of Skittles. He needs goddamn Skittles, right? Yeah. He needs Skittles. Here you go, buddy. De- Deion Sanders, and I quote, I wouldn't allow anyone to tell me I couldn't finish with my team. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I don't know. Get up here. Bring it to Bring it to me. Sanders. I, I will when I'm done. To Travis. Oh, you'll, you'll talk with Travis? Okay. All right. You you go and get whatever you need. All right. I'm going to Noah can host the whole yeah. mania preview. You talk to Travis. Don't, don't move the phone or the microphone. But you, you don't talk. touch anything. We'll just talk. Don't touch anything. <laughs> Noah, are you there? Yeah. Well, how are you? Are you better? You were sick last week, weren't you? Yeah, I got I got presents from my new school. I just went to oh. daycare be, because Miss Molly's is closed. She you feel better this week? Can you see the shiny light? Or no, no, I can hear you, though. Did you get a present from school? Yeah. And then your flashlight? No. What? No. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's a, what, do you, what do you want for Christmas? Do you know what you want yet? Come on! Oh, is it working? I fixed my disco ball, and it's not working! Oh, yeah. You, you gotta go to school tomorrow. Did you get to stay home today from school? Yes. Oh, good. Do you know what you want for Christmas? Noah, you still there? Yeah. All right. Do you know what you want for Christmas? I I don't. 
Well, you know, do you know what your dad wants? Are you talking? you talking with him or no? No. Oh, I oh yeah, we had a good conversation. I don't have big skills. These are what I have for you. you he likes he likes UAB in the Homelander Bowl. Oh, he does. So well, that's good. What? I need okay. two in the bowl. Okay, I'll get a bowl. You keep talking to Travis. Tell him who you like in the Cure Bowl. Do you like Troy or UTSA? Uh, Noah, did you watch the Vikings last week? Yeah. How did that go? What are you, are you wanting some Skittles? What are we getting here? What are we, are we getting some Skittles? Is your mom coming home soon from work? She's already home. Oh, she's home already. How's your brother doing? He's sleeping. He's sleeping? Is he, is he a good sleeper? Yeah. That's pretty good. How's your dog? He's sleeping in the car. Is your dog sleeping too? No, Ruffy's up. Brophy, he's all uh, he's going nuts. He's all, all, all right. around. There are your skittles. Good Brophy. All right. Yeah, like who, who else is he taking in these bowl games? I don't know. We were talking about the dog. We're talking about Jason. He's sleeping good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they gave him a flashlight or something at school the other day. <laughs> and the damn thing doesn't work now. So yeah, yeah. He's, he's he got some prizes or whatever for a for a fun. Something with the light. Something that lights up? Yes. Yep, it's a spinning ball and whatnot. Very good. All right. So, I, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm going to get Charlie on here later. We're going we're gonna to make some bull picks and whatnot. But I, I will say now, if, if Prime's coaching, then I feel like I have to pick. When is this game? I don't even. This is Saturday. It's Saturday. They, they, they got it there. At least they didn't include it in the college football scoreboard, thank God. Right. Uh, this UTSA-Troy game is very intriguing. It's one of the better bowl games. Um, low points for me there. I got a high one right away. Uh, well, I've got, I think I'm going to go pretty high with uh, with UFC. UAB. Yep, I got UAB 31 points. I'm going to put that at 43. You are? Oh, okay. All right. I'm coming out of the gates hot. Okay. First game, give me UAB for all the points. All right. All right. I like that. Saturday, big game in Vegas. I got Oregon State at 42 over Florida. Mm. Yeah, Florida, I mean, uh, Fort Anthony Richardson not playing. He's going to the draft. So, yeah, Oregon. State, this will be a 10-win season for them. I should put them fairly high as well. Yep. Uh, yeah, Oregon State. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, let's go 41 points on Oregon State. Okay. Uh, let's see what some of these other games here. Yeah, on... may I, say, I, I'm, I may actually get up from my nap on Friday to watch, uh, or at least tape it and watch it, uh, Troy and UTSA. I, I like UTSA. Yes. Um, I like that. Yeah, Troy's a point and a half favorite. So, um, yeah, this is. I don't know why they're starting on Friday. Yeah, but they are. I, yeah, I like. Uh, I, I, I like that game. I would have taken both Troy and UTSA. I think in in their bowl games, and they happen to play each other. Uh, low, low, low confidence points there because I could see this game going either way. I have uh, that at three points. Three points for Troy. 
I'll take UTSA because I want them to win. I'll put it at one. Okay, very good. But and I've seen this before. UTSA really needs to play USD. Um, oh. Uh, get a road runner versus the Coyote sort of deal that. here. Uh, so Jackson State right now I have seven. I'm going to move that up a bit since uh, Coach Prime is playing. I'll probably move Mississippi State up a little higher. Uh, and he was another guy. Um, like he had health trouble. Deion Sanders did it was a year ago or whenever he had a. I think it was a bad infection in his leg, so now he walks like with a limp now for the rest of his life. Yeah, and gets around in a golf cart. So he was laid up for quite some time. Washington State, Fresno State. Right now, I've had it at fifteen. I think I might have to move that down a bit. Uh, Rice and Southern Miss, uh, right, right there, and SMU, BYU. Those three games, all mid-teens. I might drop those a little bit. Um, I have no idea what to expect from them. Uh, Fresno State, I got them at three. Uh, not going nuts on that. Uh, Cincinnati, Louisville, I think I'm going two points on that with Cincinnati. I'm going 24 with them. Um, Who do you like, Cincinnati? It was Cincinnati, yep. Wow. Louisville's a one-point favorite. We'll see how that goes. I, Malik Cunningham's not playing, though. We'll see you. I might bump that up then. So um, that's why I'm looking at these transfer portals. Who's like, who's leaving? Who's going to, you know, declaring for the NFL draft? That's, um, I might move Cincinnati down a little bit because that seems a little higher. But I, I get that Jeff Brom left Purdue for Louisville and Scott, but Scott Sutterfeld left Louisville for Cincinnati. So this is the Scott Sutterfeld Bowl, right? Yeah. Um, Coach of Louisville leaves for Cincinnati, so who knows? It yeah. seems like these games are starting earlier. There's a 10 a.m. start. Yeah, this is the, and this is the inaugural Fenway Bowl. There was supposed to this was supposed to happen during COVID, and it didn't. So we've got the Bahamas Bowl at 10:30 on a Friday morning. Yeah. Christ, yes, it's awesome. It's awesome. I'll take I'll, I'll take Southern Miss over Rice in the Lending Tree Bowl. I don't know how that's not on CBS Sports Network, but it's on ESPN. Well, there's only three bowl games that I don't think ESPN tele the ESPN or Disney televise. Uh, it's, one's the Holiday Bowl, um, UNC, UNC and Oregon. Yep, that's on Fox. One is the the Sun Bowl. Uh, CBS, brute, the Brute Sun Bowl, as always. Yep. Uh, who who we got in the Sun Bowl this year? It's CLA and Pitt. Oh yeah, give me UCLA. A uh, big yep. one there. Big confidence points. So Kenny Slovis is no longer the. And then uh, we got Ohio and Wyoming on Barstool. Okay, whatever. You're right. Um, that those are the only three games that are not on the Disney uh, Sports uh, Family and Networks. So. And then I don't. I don't like the Saturday night games. SMU and BYU. I don't care. And uh, North Texas Boise State also don't care. Yeah. Open, open Boise State wins have that uh, fairly high confidence points in the 30s. Um, some rearranging, but I, I really do. I, I like that you're coming out swinging with U, with UAB. I have them high. Might move them a little higher. Um, by or, Oregon State, come on, get the dub over Florida. That's what I want. Uh, 42 points for them. My uh, the one that I have the highest right now, and maybe I'll change this. Utah over Penn State in the Rose Bowl. Utah over Penn State. 
Yep. Yeah, I'm, maybe I'll put them maybe in the 20s. I'm not impressed with Penn State at all, and Utah wanted to get back to the Rose Bowl. They, they, uh, yeah, give me give me Utah all day over Penn State. I'm, I'm either picking them for all the points or none of the points here in this first first couple of days. I got my one, two, three, four spots filled, and I got my uh, 40 to 43 spots filled. So we're going to know a lot here in the first first two days. Yep. Hopefully, uh, it, my team name. By the way, I, this is a this is a work in progress here, but it is a uh, SCU in the playoffs next year. Oh, that's very good. Thank that's you. very good. Where are we at here? That's good. Obviously, an homage to USC not being in there, but I do think USC makes the playoff next year. So, uh, yeah, it's SCU in the uh, SCU in the CFP next year. I think Hacksaw Max Duggan is probably Charlie, I would guess. Maybe it's Marcus. I could I, I would guess Charlie. I, I could see either of them being it. Charlie because Max Duggan, you know, he covered him in on Iowa and Max or uh, or yeah. uh, Traxler just because Max and Trax uh rhyme. And then Drew Amon's lover, uh, I think would be uh Chattenkirk. <laughs> I think. That's my guess. No, no. Is Melissa going to join us this year? Are you partaking? Oh, in- hey. Drew's, Drew's favorite thing are these stupid bowl games. Uh, I see no reason why. Um, and maybe that is, or I doubt it, but um, we've got four people. We need a couple more in there. Yeah. Um, I, hope, is, I hope so. Is Boots going to join? Is, is Dan Beck going to join? They better they better get going here. Uh, they're busy scouting, scouting in current word. Oh, okay. That was, hopefully, hopefully Incarnate Word wins over... How lucky is North Dakota State? Like, this is the year that they would have to travel for the semifinal game, and Incarnate Word wins. I I don't know if, the, if they're going to have any defense against North Dakota State. I think North Dakota State's defense can slow down Incarnate Word a bit, but, uh, I mean, how lucky is North Dakota State? Like Sacramento State, do something. Yeah. Another head like coach went to Stanford. Yeah, I mean, North Dakota State just beats everybody. Um, and you were right. You were. I'm going to say you were right again about the fans. I was hoping that they would be oh, a little no. more. No, it's bad. I mean, it's, it's supposed to be 17 degrees for a high on Saturday. And with this crap weather we're having this week, well, how many? What was it? Seven thousand this week? Sixty-six hundred, I think. I don't think it's going to be any better this week. I think it'll be under seven. Well, all the college kids are left. I, I saw someone on Twitter oh, say that uh, have Brookings High School students get in with a uh, free with an ID and sit in the student section, make some noise. That's a way to get people in. People don't want to sit outside when it's cold. Yeah, I mean that's. Well, that's all. I mean that's all it comes down to. Now it's not. Well, the team's not that great. This is the best team they've ever had. Yep. And you're hosting a semifinal. Yep. Against Montana State, which you have history with. So. Sixty-five forty-nine was the attendance. And by the way, this was a great game 
for SD. They didn't play great. This Matthew Sluka is a very good player for for Holy Cross. Good quarterback. I would, I would call him a son of a bitch. Is what I would call. He was he's, he was outstanding. The the Jacks had no answer for him running the football, and they have to go against Montana State this week. And Montana State runs the football a lot with their quarterbacks. But you got an angry run from Isaiah Davis. What a what a stiff arm he had. And you had a tremendous backdoor cover, uh, and and you made uh, bad beats with Scott Van Pelt. It was part two. It was, it was solely devoted to SDSU. You can't get Mark Gronowski's name right. Kept calling him Gronkowski, but or Gronkowski. However, he said it. It was incorrect. But hey, at least SDSU made the bad beat section, and that's all that matters. I'm surprised they went for it there, but it's fine if they did. I like it. Yeah, it was a struggle for much of the game. That quarterback ran all, all over him. So, so, good to see him win. And I, it's going to be a tough game to beat Montana State. Sure is. The defense is going to have to play much better. It much may better. be even tougher than North Dakota State. Yes. Yes. But I want, I don't care about SDSU football. I want them to play North Dakota State. If they beat India, the problem is I, I want them to I play them because I know I think they would beat them again because I, I agree. I I Carnet Ward no I do not want to play the word. If, I want to play North Dakota State. If they were to beat NDSU, it would equate the nine championships, like five national championships. Yes. Yes. Yep. They have. I, I don't think they have ever lost. Have they in a title game? No. I mean, you want that. You're going to finally do this, and this is what you can do? Yes. This is the Vikings somehow beating the Packers for the Super Bowl, if that were happening. Yep. yep. Like, this is, you know, Carolina beating Duke. So this is Ohio State beating Michigan for the national title. Yes. This is your biggest rival. This is the team that has been better than you. This is the the one FCS team everybody knows. Mm-hmm. And this is a this is a down year for NDSU. They're still going to get to the title game. Yep, I do. I do like that. Uh, Clay Matvick called the game on Saturday. One and a half yeah. million people watched, so that's decent. Um, Rocky Boyman was the analyst, so they're not like this was a decent crew given the game, and it was oh. a the you know what es or the Jacks got sole spotlight on ESPN. They didn't get relegated to ESPN two. They're getting that this week. More understandable with the bowl games and whatnot. But they could have put the Bison on ESPN. They chose not to. They chose to put e- uh, the Bison on ESPN two Friday night. Jack's got sole uh, spotlight there. I'm a little surprised College Game Day didn't do something. They they normally do that. The Army Navy game. They, they changed that up this year. I'm a, if so, I'm in favor of it. It's three what hours. What did they do? What did they do? Nothing. It was just Sports Center. Oh, they didn't do college game day. Okay. Yeah, no college game day last week. So oh. I was thinking, like, oh, that would be cool, you know, to talk about the Jacks a little bit. But the fact that they yeah. didn't, okay, that's fine. Still, SDSU got on ESPN, and that's, you know, that's what's important. So, by the way, it was a great day Saturday. Great day Saturday to be a Jackrabbit. We always say it's a great day to be a Jack, but oh. SDSU with the trifecta. The football team beats Holy Cross. The women go down to Manhattan. Sorry, Melissa and Melissa's family. And beat Kansas State. I guess the game was... Why was that game being played in Kansas City? I don't know. 
Like, it's dumb. They had less than a thousand people there. Play it in Manhattan at the, at the Little Apple and let people come. But regardless, SDSU gets the big win over Kansas State. And then the men come back from 23 down against Eastern Washington to get the win. Maybe a season-turning win. Who knows? We'll see. I'm not going to put any stock into Mount, uh, Mount Marty or Bellevue here these next couple of week or these next couple of games, but um, noticeable win. And now the women hopefully will get to play South Carolina on Thursday, barring the weather. Um, at six and four, I feel like the women should have been ranked. They have really good wins, really good wins. They do. They're just—they're not even getting a single vote anymore. So. That, that surprised me. I thought for sure they would get some votes um, considering who they've beaten. They're 51st in net rating. You can't, have those, you can't have those losses to Montana State and Washington State. Those will hold them back. Washington State is 59, so it's not too bad. Montana State is 133, so that'll be their worst loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louisville, not quite as good as they usually are. Uh, Louisville is like 49th, and Kansas State's like slightly above them. So they're good wins, not quite as good as we thought. And they're like, this should be the last game they lose. Yes. They, it is unacceptable for them to, like, especially with USD the way they are. Mm hmm. And U.S. I don't know if USD is still the second best team in this league, but this is probably the weakest the summer league has been in a long time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can't. You got to go into the tournament here with five losses on like a twenty-one game winning streak or whatever it would be. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what what seed. Um. By the way. Uh, Florida State played Louisville this last week in ACC yep. men's basketball conference game. Do you want to know what the combined record was for those two teams going into that game? I think they were like one for 19. Yeah, uh, yeah I was going to say one, one in 17, I believe. Uh, oh, yeah. Florida State gets the win. Louisville is terrible. I, yeah, they've been Western Kentucky this week, and... They're probably not going to win more than three games. Three, I mean, that's bad. Yeah. And Florida State's not much better. I think Florida State's dealing with some injuries, but still, Florida State's not a tournament team. Yeah, they were. It was they were combined one in one in seventeen going into that game, Louisville and Florida State. Like, and they blew them out by like thirty points. Yeah, it's seventy five fifty three. So that just tells you how bad. Louisville is. Ooh. Bad. Move to me. Uh, should we go to the hot stove? Put on the stove. I, I, hey, the DR wood chipper, uh, we are splitting wood. We are keeping things warm. Uh, people are getting paid. Uh, Aaron Judge signed with the Yankees. Nine-year, $360 million deal. He made him bet on himself. He won. Xander Bogarts goes to San Diego. That's a bit of a stunner, I would say. Uh, goes from one coast to the other. Um, the the Cardinals steal from their rivals. They get uh, Wilson Contreras, the the catcher there. That's a uh, pretty outstanding. 
And uh, what else? The Twins signed a, a World Series catcher from Houston. No idea what uh, Carlos Correa is doing yet. Uh, what, Carlos Rodon has not signed yet. So the Carlo, the 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 two Carloses could still wind up in Minnesota, or zero Carloses could. I mean, that's a very entirely entirely possible. The Mets are spending a whole bunch of money. The Red Sox got someone from from Japan, I believe. Um, tell tell me what what are your thoughts on regarding the hot stuff? Because it was burning last week. Twins got a catcher, Christian Vasquez. He's all right. He's fine. I guess he would be considered a good catcher, a top ten catcher, probably not top five, top ten. So he's fine. It doesn't excite me much. Uh, Xander Bogarts to the Padres is interesting. Because the Padres, I mean, the Padres went after Trey Turner, and they went after Aaron Judge. And they reportedly offered more money for both of those players, but they both went elsewhere. So I don't know what the Padres are doing. Because they've got Manny Machado. He's got an opt-out here in a year or two. So he may not stay. They've got Fernando Tatis Jr., who's in a world of mess. And they got Juan Soto. And then they wanted Aaron Judge for four hundred million. Instead they signed Xander Bogarts, who is fine. They signed him to an eleven year deal. Yeah. Three hundred million. He it's is two eighty. It's very high. He he's thirty. You're gonna, he's going to be with you until he's 41 years old. How do you think he's going to be when he's 41? That's a great question. How do you think Red Sox fans should feel about this, uh, what the Red Sox are doing? They should feel fine. The Red Sox are probably the worst team in that division right now. But, yeah, I'm not paying Xander Bogart's $25 million a year for until he's 41 years old. Chris, you know, they got Billy Jansen out. They got some bullpen guys. Uh, their, be- you know, their, their bullpen was the worst in Major League Baseball last year, right? Yeah, so they address a need for them. Dansby Swanson's still out there. Be okay with that. Uh, amend my statement last week. I said Carlos Correa is going to go to the Dodgers. I think he's going to the Giants now. Um, yeah, there's another one out there. Chris Bassett, a yep. good pitcher for the Mets. He went to the Blue Jays. I would like to see them twins. So, yeah, I mean, it's getting shorter here. And the twins haven't done anything. You need to do something with that starting pitching staff. I feel like you need a, you have a lot of depth, but you need a higher end starter. You need to address the bullpen, which they haven't done. And they've got plenty of time. Mm-hmm. And they want a decision on Carlos Correa, but again, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Nope. I don't know. It it doesn't excite me much what the Twins have done, are doing. And yeah, Correa, Rodon, and Danby Swanson, that's about it. After that, but that's pretty much the top tier for you. Get two two of the three of them. Any combo will be fine. Well, that'd be just amazing. If they sign any of them, I'd be okay. Stuck. Get get one of them, but I'd like I'd like Radon or Swan uh, Dansby Swanson. I, I, I would take the pitcher. 
Of the three, yeah. I would take the pitcher. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, Carlos Gray is a fine player. He's not worth $30 million a year to me. No. Anything else we need to get to before we say so long for the week? Saturday is a very busy day. You've got the Vikings at noon. Mm-hmm. You've got SDSU at 3. Yep. I've got a basketball game at one thirty here in Mitchell. Ugh. So I might watch like the first quarter of the Vikings, go to the game, come back, do that, watch these football games. Saturday might be the best college basketball day left before the tournament. Um, Saturday college basketball, Indiana at Kansas. We've got noon on CBS, Alabama and Gonzaga. Ooh, Alabama with a big upset over number one Houston last week. Oh, that game in Birmingham, Alabama. You have, I don't know if you could pay me enough to watch this one, Houston and Virginia. First one to 35 win? I can't imagine the over-under on that's much more than 150. Oh, uh, oh, no way. I would take it under 100. And t- if they said it was 110, I would take the under. See what it is here. That's at 1 o'clock on ESPN2. If they, if Houston and Alabama played in football, they would put up more points than what they Or if Houston and Virginia played in football, they would put up more points than they would... Uh, in this basketball game. Then you got North Carolina and Ohio State. And then you got UCLA and Kentucky that day. Then at night you have Tennessee and Arizona. Awesome. That is a whole day because these these college football games don't do much for me. So, yeah, it could be a busy busy college uh, day. And you got Purdue at 10-0. Purdue, your new number one. So, they're a team. At, oh, we should mention here, Chris Beard, uh, Texas. You know, say, I don't know if we're taking Texas to the Final Four anymore. Chris Beard arrested, uh, 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 family uh, domestic violence thing or something like that. Uh, yeah. We'll see where that goes, but uh, that that's not good. Um, don't 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 do that. Uh, is there? He's saying he was not the aggressor his fiance was. Well, well, he did something to her. Joker, whatever he did. She has a bite mark on her or whatnot. But the attorney then says that uh, the complainant wants, doesn't want, like, anything else to happen. Well, why, here's my thing. Why would you call the cops and then say, I don't want any charges pressed? Like, then don't call the cops, right? Maybe that's, maybe that's being too cruel in the situation, but, like, what? Well, something happened, and he called the cops. Wait, I I don't understand what the point of calling the cops are then, if you don't want any charges pressed. Like, uh, we just give a sternly worded, you know, reprimand. Like, I I don't get it. I, I weigh the you know the the Sean Watson situation is bad. Weigh that against Chris Beard. I think nobody's going to get up in arms about this like that. They should. I just wish everybody would show that same Deshaun Watson yes. emotion yes. for every every single sports case that involves this type of stuff, including this one right here. 
and but that's just not going to happen. Perry Minton is the attorney for Chris Beard, and he said to the American Statesman, and I believe that's the uh, newspaper there in Austin, he said, quote, he should never have been arrested, he being Beard. The complaint, the, the complainant wants him released immediately and all charges dismissed. It is truly inconceivable, end quote. Well, who called the police then? Well, that's just it. Like, it, I think it was the, the fiancé. Well, there you go. Probably something happened there where she felt threatened. And yeah, maybe she was the one who started it, but it felt like he finished it. it, She said they had been in an argument during which she broke his glasses before, quote, he just snapped on me and became super violent. He he told in the uh, affidavit, the woman told police, quote, he choked me, bit me, bruises all over my leg, throwing me around and going nuts. Well, doesn't that sound like a, a guy you want to spend the rest of your life with? Don't bite or choke your fiance, and she should also not have broken his glasses. So. No, she shouldn't have. Like she's not it, wrong, but that it just for for this Minton fella to say want something else to happen here. Yeah, uh, it it charges dismissed. I I I'm not trying to sound uh, cold hearted, but. If you don't want the charges there, then why are you calling the police? Like, it that doesn't match up in my mind. But well, something, I mean, lawyers, I mean, they lie. Yeah. So, there we go. something happened there that warranted this. Yeah, Saturday should be great. Uh, hopefully, the Vikings clinch the North. Hopefully, the Jacks are Frisco bound. Uh, tons of great college basketball. Good luck in your bull pick them. And yeah. uh, anything else we need to get to? Grant Wall died, the yes. soccer guy. Yes. Suspicious uh, death. And he was another guy that, I don't know, he wasn't feeling well, I guess. So they say suspicious mean that they never, you know, that's what people thought of initially, but I don't think there is anything suspicious. He didn't feel well, it sounds like. And he was only 48 years old, so that was a very odd situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, uh, a lot of odd things. Yep. Indeed. Well, next week will be our pre-Christmas edition. Uh, Stay tuned for that. You have a great rest of your week. Good luck with Saturday. Uh, Stay safe in this weather. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. Good luck, good luck, Noah. What the best football? Yes, thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you in the playoffs. Yeah, (laughs) we we can only hope. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, my friend. All right. We'll see you. Travis Crins joined me here, Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time as always. We talked about a lot of stuff from Mike Leach to the Vikings, the weather, so much uh, to get to. You can find this podcast available on podcast.com. Just search the Sports Block. Uh, also find us on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Travis Crins at Travis Crins, Facebook Nathan Stacken, the link to the podcast. Post the middle to later part of each week. Been great so far. Noah uh, subbed in for me for a few minutes. That was awesome. Uh, and guess what? We're going to talk more college football with Charlie Hildebrand. How's his bull pick him looking here? We'll, we'll get through all the confidence picks here. That's coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com and on iTunes. We are continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, and it is time to talk Capital One Bowl Mania. Bowl games started up, and we are. It's always a great time of the year, all these bowl games. Going on and doing, you know, taking part in the the bull mania in our in our group 
here, and uh, who better to talk about that with than our resident college football expert, my good friend from the Northwest Iowa Review, Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, how we doing? I'm good. Trying to stay warm as it gets cold and slushy and icy and snowy all the time. Now, God, but God, but doing you, good. I'm do. I'm pissed off at this storm because they were. They've been talking about it for a week. Oh, it's going to dump so much snow. It, St. Cloud might get three to four inches at this point. Like it's just it's embarrassing how they were talking about. Oh, you'll get close to six to ten inches, and now maybe we'll see three. It's dumb. Weatherman's a weird job. I wish I could be as wrong as weathermen are consistently about things and and getting paid as much as they do. Yeah, and get paid as much as they do. Isn't that lovely? Um, Yeah. Certainly. We'll start off on with some sad news, and uh, Travis and I talked about it earlier in the podcast, but Mike Leach, the head coach at Mississippi State, passed away Monday night at the age of 61. He was rushed to the hospital Sunday by ambulance and uh, rushed to the hospital in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, with a health emergency, a personal health issue, a personal health emergency, and no one really knew what it was, and then uh, I think the Clarion Ledger um, said it was a heart attack, like a massive heart attack, and you know, then Twitter was kind of taking like, oh, he's he's uh, passed away. This was Sunday night, and then like uh, everyone's like, no, where are you getting this information from, and whatnot? And then there were shots at Elon Musk, but uh, that's beside the point here. Um, and then the the news comes Tuesday morning that Mike Leach passed away, and it, it's just a tremendous loss for college football fans, but I think you know, football fans in general, because Mike Leach was one of the real true characters that you'll ever find in a sport, football or otherwise. Uh, I mean, he would talk about anything other than football, you know, candy, Pac-12 mascots, uh, giving wedding and dating advice. He was just a as cool of a coach or individual as there ever was, and the news is just, it sucks, for lack of a better better word. It just sucks. Yeah, it's its surprising. I mean, you know, he's 60, or he was 61, I think he mm-hmm. said. And, you know, you know, in today's day and age, you know, in a first world country like the U.S., it's just not that often that you see, you know, wealthy people in their early 60s, like, die out of nowhere. It's, it's, it's unfortunate and it's sad. Um... I know. You, I mean, you made a couple of points. Just I wanted to touch on. I mean, yeah. before we get to him as like a personality and some of that fun stuff, like clearly in terms of success, I don't think anyone would say he's one of the three to five greatest college football coaches in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I don't think he ever won a conference title, but he certainly never won a national title. Not that that knocks anything that he did just that he did not reach the upper, upper, upper echelon of success that some coaches did. But obviously he was at schools, you know, as a head coach that were not traditionally good. So, you know, he with less stuff around him, he made them better. But I think more importantly in terms of, like, not coaching, but just in terms of offense in general, I think you could say he is one of the three to five biggest impacts on not just college football, but football in general yes. in our lifetime mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I think I'm two years older than you. We're roughly the same age, both in our yeah. mid-30s. Mm-hmm. Like, when we were in middle school and high school, the Big 12 
essentially was just another version of the Big Ten mm-hmm. that was three yards in a cloud of dust, and we're basically doing the same stuff. And then Mike Leach became the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma and then left after that first year in 1999 to be the head coach at Texas Tech. And within five years, like almost all of the conference was like, hey, guess what? We got to throw it all the time now because this is the best way for us to have success. And then that trickled down to high school and they even do the stuff in the NFL now. And I think, I don't want to say this wouldn't have happened without Michael Beach, but I think he certainly expedited it. I mean, you look at that 2008 Texas Tech team. I know they had, uh, I think it was Graham Harrell at quarterback and Michael Crabtree, who were both very talented. But if we're looking at like across the board talent, clearly did not have the same talent level that that Texas Longhorns team did. And they beat him in Lubbock when Texas was number one in a game they really had no business at winning. Mm-hmm. But because of their offense and the way Mike Leach coached, you know, they won the game. And it's it's essentially, you know, the way that – I think it used to be that if you were really good, you'd run the ball because there was not going to be much variance in your game. Mm-hmm. You were going to beat teams you should beat. In passing the ball, there's more variance. You might lose to someone you shouldn't lose to, but you definitely beat someone you shouldn't. And I think it was one of the early examples in the last 25 years of like, oh, hey, if we do what this guy does, I don't know if we're going to win the national title, but we can be a lot better really fast this way. Well, yeah, and I mean, you're talking about that air raid offense, that air raid attack. He was one of the first guys that would have almost exclusively his quarterbacks in shotgun for everything. And that was like just super weird. And now it's very rare in college, it seems like, for a quarterback to go under center. Everything. I feel like Mike Leach kind of introduced that. And now you see how that translates to, you know, the, the professional level in the NFL. And it frustrates me a little bit because, you know, on like third and inches, fourth and inches, why are we going from shotgun? Why don't we go under center? But his air raid attack kind of led to this predominant uh, state of quarterbacks going to be in shotgun 90% of the time, let's say. Yeah, I don't know that he truly was the first person to do it, but certainly was one of the early innovators and, you know, one of the Mm -hmm. three or four you know, most influential offensive guys. I mean, I think you probably throw, like, Rich Rodriguez in there, too. If I remember right, he was the guy that kind of invented, like, the zone read out of the shotgun, which is essentially just the the flip side of that coin. If it's going to throw it in all the time, Mm -hmm. we're just going to run it all the time out of the shotgun. But, but yeah, and, you know, I, I, I know some X's and O's stuff. I think I'm probably not stunning anyone when I'm saying I'm not an elite expert the way that coaches are when it comes to X's and O's. But from anyone that knows that more than I do about that stuff, they say that Leach's offense actually wasn't that complicated. It's tough to defend, but it's not that hard to learn, and they just drilled it into guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, these are the five or six concepts. And, you know, when he got a good quarterback that got experience, you know, a lot of times it was just like, all right, we're running this formation. You call it as you see it out. That's it, it was just much different than a lot of coaches today where, you know, it's, hey, look at the sideline. I'm going to tell you exactly what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, and, yeah, so he did a lot to innovate the game of football. And, again, just his personality off the field. I think it's just, you know, we see all these, you know, these 
college coaches and they're just grind, 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 and they, you know, they're not really wanting to, you know, give out uh, much information. Up, can't say anything. No yes. sound bites. Yep. Yep, just grind, like, gr- yeah, grind. Yeah. Gr- you know, the grindstone. Never do anything fun ever. It's yep. only about the process. Use a whole bunch of cliches. Essentially, the Nick Saban model. Yes. Yep. Just use a whole bunch of cliches and say, "Oh, you know, our opponent did well." I mean, Leach would go off on tangents on anything. Like you could bring up any random topic, he would probably talk about it for five minutes. And I, I love the, the soundbite after the game a couple years ago about the Halloween candy um, that he gave post-game right there on the field. Uh, I mean, this guy who would go get sprees at Dollar General, he was just truly one of the people. He never, like, oh, I'm too good for you. He was just as ordinary of a guy, but boy, he was quirky. And that quirkiness, I think, is why so many people loved him. Uh, you know, from Lubbock to Pullman and now to Starksville. Like, obviously, he he impacted a lot of players and a lot of people within his communities. But at the end of the day, he was just a funny, funny guy who was just down to earth and would do anything for just about anyone, it seemed like. Yeah, but my understanding is apparently, like, I think it just stems from, he was just an incredibly curious guy. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, has a law degree and could have been a lawyer and decided, like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to be that much fun. Maybe I want to coach it instead. Yeah, from Pepperdine. Didn't play college football, yeah. yep. but learned enough about it that he could, you know, obviously turn him into a great, he's turned himself into a great coach. And that curiosity just led to, you know, him having, you know, all these awkward, sometimes awkward, sometimes not awkward, but long conversations with people he didn't know. I mean, I don't know about you. I've read a fair amount of Mike Leach stuff today. But, like, read one story that, you know, it used to be, you know, when he was a head coach, they'd have, like, offensive meetings. There'd be times they would last forever because he would get off on a tangent and start talking about something not football related. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was, I don't remember if this was when he was at Texas Tech or at Washington State, but that like apparently Monday was like their big offensive game plan days where they were going to decide a lot of stuff. Yep. And like all the coaches were in the meeting, like ready to go. And Leach got a phone call from someone and just started talking and talking and talking on the phone to this random guy. And they were just like, oh man, you know, he could be here for the next three hours. That just means our meeting's going to take longer. What's going on right now? And then that it's like it's, it was like a half an hour or an hour later he finally gets off the phone, and they were like, "Oh wow, who was that you were talking to?" And he was like, "I don't know, it was the wrong number." And we just started chatting about stuff. And <laughs> you know, I think with most people you'd be like, "Well, clearly he was joking, and that's not true." Yeah. And he just didn't want to say what it was. With Mike Leach, though, it's like that might have literally been the case. So yes. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just started talking to him. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're talking about pirates and stuff. Yeah, it's entirely plausible. Um, yeah, he is just a genuinely, uh, just seems like an awesome personality. Uh, and look, I mean, look at what he did with Gardner Minshew at Washington State. I mean, he it was a very good head coach. He got Texas Tech into the top ten there for for a while or for a little bit had the big win over texas you know michael crabtree and as you said graham harrell uh he will be missed there is no other way around it and mississippi state will be playing in the bowl game um i i didn't know if they would or not they want to honor him and i was gonna take illinois low confidence points but i thought you know just don't know how 
how motivated Mississippi State will be. They're going to be really motivated, I think, to win this game for Mike Leach. Even though it's a glorified exhibition, they want to win it for their coach. They, If they want to play, I think Illinois doesn't really stand a chance. Mississippi State's going to put it all on the line. You could be right. It's always tough to tell with these kind of things. Sometimes it goes exactly like you said, and there's other times it just it doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's one reason it's, it's so hard to pick ball games because you just never know how teams are going to feel about yes. things. Yep, and we will get into those bowl picks here in a moment. Any other thoughts on Mike Leach before we move on? Um, first, I would quickly encourage anyone listening to just Google like Mike Leach stories and just read some of the funny stories he had. The only one, the only other one I'm going to mention that I this was one I had not known. I just read about this today. But his uh, his first year at uh, at Oklahoma when he was the offensive coordinator in 1999, uh, they were about to play Texas. Obviously, a big rivalry game between Texas and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Mike Leach drew up a whole bunch of like, like or, or, uh, I should. A lot of times, you know, like they'll do a script on offense where they just pick what like the first 15 plays they're going to run. Yep. And apparently he drew up one that was not the real one. It was a fake script, and he came up with, like, a reasonable, like, oh, a team might run this, and gave it to, like, some Oklahoma player and was just like, hey, when you're walking off, like, try to put it in your belt loop on the back of your pants, but just kind of miss and let it fall on the ground. And someone from Texas saw that and picked it up and was like, oh, hey, this is their script. We got to plan against this. And it was just literally like, nope, not even close. Is and this, Oklahoma jumped out to like a seventeen nothing lead. This and is, this is a story. It, it was a video I saw of it, and Tom Herman, I guess, was an assistant. At, I don't know if he was a GA or what, but okay. was at Texas at the time. And they asked him like, "How did you guys fall for this?" And he's like, "Well, I mean, we saw it. And we just didn't think anyone would go through the time. Like, why would we not think it's real? Who would go through the time to come up with some big pick like this?" This is a story that, was, by that was Mike Leach being the pirate that he was. Yeah, for sure. This is uh, by Jake Trotter on ESPN.com. Is that correct? Uh, it could be. I don't remember okay. where I saw it. There's, it was on. It was on Twitter, and there was a video okay. that I watched. There, it, it, a, Jake Trotter's probably right though. There is a headline here uh, on ESPN.com um, and and on the app uh, by Jake Trotter. The untold story of Mike Leach's lost quote, uh, OU play script that fooled Texas. So, Yep, that's definitely the one. Yep, uh, just awesome. Also, melancholy ending, they jumped up 17 to nothing, but they did still lose the game. They didn't win. But still, it's a great story. Oh, for sure, for sure. And the legend of Mike Leach was born right then and there. Uh, he will be truly missed. R.I.P. to the Pirate, uh, Mike Leach, dead at 61. Um, and I don't know. There's really not a great transition to go there. Um, but before we get to the picks, um, just your thought on the college football playoff. We didn't have you on last week, but Georgia the one, uh, Michigan two, TCU three, and Ohio State four. Do you think, A, the right four teams were picked for the college football playoff, and B, were, were they in the right order? I think this was the case where they basically got it perfect, more or less based off who lost at the end of the year and things like that. I think the top three absolutely should have been in been in the spots they were. I think there's a little bit of argument you could make on the four, 
but Ohio State's one loss is to the number two team in the country. And I think they had enough other good wins, you know, like beating Penn State and Notre Dame, that I don't think there's anyone else that you could make a better case for. I think there's other teams you could make a case for it for, but not a better case than Ohio State. I would agree with that. You know, I know Nick Saban was like, well, we lost two games by, you know, on the final play. Uh, we didn't lose by 20-something at home to our rival, which is a fair point. But at the end of the day, you still lost two games. I don't, I, I find it disingenuous, though, what the the college football playoff chairman was saying uh, about how the this how there was no discussion about Ohio State playing Michigan in the college football playoff, that that never came up. I think that's a downright bold-faced lie. I feel like Ohio State maybe should have been three and TCU four, but they wanted to avoid that. I don't feel, I don't think we've ever had a uh, rematch of rivals or like a conference rivals in the college football playoff. Now, granted, it's it's a relatively not in the semifinals. It's happened in the national title yes. game, but not in the semifinals. Yep, and you know, it would it, I don't know if that's something they they actively try and avoid. But to say that that never came up, I just I don't believe that for a second. And I I think it I I think it just. Like I said, it screams disingenuine, or that it's disingenuine. You're like, you're lying to us. All right, let's go with this angle. I don't know how long we want to talk about this, but what's your reasoning for thinking that they're lying about it? I think that uh, the reason why I say they lie, he's lying is that he said it never came up. Like, how would it not even from one member, even briefly for like a minute, say, hey, do we think that maybe Ohio State should jump TCU because TCU lost, Ohio State was off, they would and since USC lost, Ohio State jumps to 3, TCU falls to 4. Oh, but that would pair Michigan and Ohio State. We wouldn't want that. I I just can't believe that no one said, "Oh, Ohio State should stay or should move to 4 and TCU remains at 3 and that we're not even factoring in the Michigan-Ohio State game and having a rematch of that in the semifinals. I just don't believe it. You might be right. I'm going to counter again with this. How do you know that the college football playoff committee doesn't want a rematch in the semifinal? I don't think they care about that stuff. Like, they don't work for ESPN or the networks or anything. They're only supposed to just come up with who the top four teams are. I feel like I mean, I know they come up with the whole top 25. I but that, but the last one really only the top four matters, right? It's just the the matchups, you know, per se. You know, you know, we were we're getting Georgia and Ohio State in the the semifinal. A lot of people thought that that would be the national championship game. I don't know. I just I feel like they that it had to have come up at some point, even if you weren't aren't talking about it, you know, for an extended period of time. To say it never came up, I. I just don't believe that. I think it's possible it didn't come up. I mean, if anything, just because it seems like for the most part in the past, the college football playoff committee has not punished teams that lose a conference title game if it's close. If they lose by like 40, they might. But if it's close, they don't. And I think that it's possible that their thought was just like, well, 
you know, Georgia and Michigan and TCU. I don't remember if USC or TCU, were, which of those two was three or four. But they were both ahead of Ohio State, and I just think it's possible. They were just like, well, we're not going to punish TCU, who still has that, the same amount of losses as Ohio State. We're not going to drop them for a, an overtime loss to a top-10 team. And I, I'm not saying that what you said is wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that I think it's possible that they didn't talk about it because they just don't care, that it's just not what they're created to do. Sure. Sure. It, I, like Because yeah. the other thing, if we were going to go, like, if we're, if we're going to go the conspiracy route of, like, no, they want to get the best, you know, the one that helps TV the most, which, you know, there's nobody from TV there that has anything to do with it. But then they would be like, well, I mean, we don't want both Ohio State and Michigan. Like, well, we, we want, you know, Alabama and we want USC and we want, you know, Notre Dame and we want Ohio State because those would be the four that would generate the most uh, interest this year. Mm-hmm. It could. I just again. I, I just think that the to say the conversation never came up amongst the the ten twelve people of the committee. I I just don't believe it. But that's neither here nor there. The, the I think the as you said the right four teams are in Utah with that great win over USC and the I mean they just pantsed USC. USC couldn't tackle to save their lives. Um, it was just remarkable. No, hey, when, when USC got got Lincoln Riley, they only thought about the good stuff. The bad stuff comes too. They're yep. not playing good defense when it counts the most. You have to take that as well. Yep. Caleb Williams wins the Heisman. Do you agree with that? I have no problem with the winning Heisman. Okay. I think I would have voted him first. If Duggan would have won it, I would have been okay with that. But I think it, it should have definitely been one of those two. Do you think if Duggan sneaks it in and, and TCU wins in overtime in the Big 12 championship, does Duggan win? I think it's a heck of a lot closer vote. I think there's a good chance that he wins. Mm-hmm. I think Will, I think Caleb Williams still wins, though. Like Duggan had that Heisman-worthy drive, you know, running it there to tie the game late uh, in the fourth quarter. You know, just, he willed his team to victory or to, to tie the game there, they ultimately lose in overtime. Um, I'm just glad that TCU's in, because uh, I think they, they ultimately deserved it. And we've had some head coaching uh, moves. Uh, Hugh Freeze to Auburn, uh, Scott S- uh, Sutterfeld to Cincinnati, and then um, uh, Brom from Purdue goes to Louisville, his alma mater. Uh, so we have the Scott Sutter- uh, Satter- is it Satterfeld or Sutterfeld, whatever his name is. Um, we have that bowl game with Cincinnati and Louisville, and we'll be picking that one here in just a minute. But um, what are some of the head coaching um, vacancies that have been filled or the, the head coaching news that, that has intrigued you most? Um, I think Luke Fickle to Cincinnati's. I don't remember. Did we talk about Luke Fickle to Cincinnati? I don't remember when that happened. Yes. Yep. Compared to when we talked last. Yep. Yep. Luke Fickle. Okay. We talked. So Luke if we Fickle already talked and, about that one, one, I don't need to go into it anymore. Then, um, I think I think Brom leaving Purdue to go to Louisville is interesting because I think a lot of teams will look at like, hey, I want to go to the Big Ten or the SEC because mm-hmm. they get paid the most, and while it might not be a stable job for me. It's a stable conference compared to everywhere else. Mm-hmm. But I do think it is worth noting that it depends where you go. And I think that Jeff Brom basically took Purdue to their more or less realistic ceiling right now. 
that it was like, hey, we won the West, we won eight games in the regular season. We kind of made it a game with Michigan for a bit in the Big Ten title game. And I don't know if we can go that much higher unless we really get lucky and recruiting a few times. But if we go to Louisville, I mean, would you like stack it? Would you be surprised if three years from now, Louisville's the second best team in the ACC behind Clemson? Like, I'm not saying you expect it to happen, but would you be stunned based off what Brom's done and what he does on offense? <sighs> That's a good question. I could see them being a consistent top four, top five team. I don't know if I can see them being top two. You could. I'm not saying that they will be top two. Right. And, and I don't mean like in perpetuity for 25 yeah, years yeah, or anything. No, I, but like, would you be stunned if it's just like, oh, hey, guess what? I'm, I'm trying to think. I think, I, I I think Louisville bit. and Clemson are in the same division, so they couldn't play for the conference yep. title. But like, would you be surprised if it was like, oh, hey, Louisville had another 10-2 year where they lost to Clemson and lost one other game. Right. And is actually maybe has a chance to get into a decent ball. No, I think Clemson is starting to decline a little bit, so I could see Louisville taking over the reins of the of that division in the Atlanta in the ACC more. Um I just look at like, you know, I'm thinking of Miami and and UNC, you know, along with Clemson, um Pittsburgh's fairly well established. I I just have a hard time seeing Louisville making that jump towards greatness in the ACC, whereas I think Cincinnati has a better chance at doing that in the Big 12. That's my thought. Um, may, maybe. I mean, we'll see. I would also say of all those teams you mentioned in the ACC not named Clemson, I don't think anyone's put together more than two consecutive good seasons mm-hmm. in the last 10 years. Oh, right. Yep, in Miami, I mean, everyone's thinking Mario Cristobal is the guy, but they, they had an atrocious season this year. So there's clearly a lot. Uh, um, he's, he's clearly building that program up kind of from scratch, so it's going to take a little bit of time. Yeah. So... Very, also, on a yeah. melancholy note, I don't know who Mississippi State's going to hire, but unfortunately, they are going to need a new head yes. coach now, too. Yep. Yeah. And they may be promote from within. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to pretend I know any of the assistant coaches on Mississippi State. I don't I, I don't think I can name any of them. But, also, you know, I guess. Also, but it is Navy. a Power 5 job that's technically open right now. Yep. And also, Navy's can. Uh, Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. He gets yeah, fired. Apparently, he got fired, like, right literally after right after they lost to Army. What are they which doing? Which is weird from a service academy, yeah. I think. Yes. What What are they doing? I don't know. That seems very strange that they couldn't be like, hey, He's like we'll the talk to you in your office on Monday morning. He's the winningest coach there of all time, and they're just ceremoniously, like, just dumping him? Like, I... Just because he's had a few bad years and all of a sudden Army's taken over kind of the, the rivalry or has had the better team over the last few years and now Navy's just like, yeah, screw it. Uh, we're going to get rid... There has to be something else going on there. That, it's a, That's a bad move. That's a bad look for Navy, I think, to get rid of him. Yeah, like this is something that you would expect from like a cutthroat Power 5 school to a coach that's like routinely embarrassed them. And I don't mean like... They lost this game they shouldn't have lost. We're embarrassed. I mean, like, 
said stuff or did stuff off the field that's like, oh my god, this is this is like five black eyes, not this, one black eye. This would be something and I could see. Them, there there could be doing something. It. I don't know. I don't know. The you know, I think Navy keeps up. You know, no pun intended, but runs a fairly tight ship. Yes, <laughs> and I don't think they let uh, you know, everything leak out. I suppose there could be something, but if if there is not anything, I mean, it's, it's surprising from a service academy that they would, you know, treat you. Uh, someone who in the coaching community, you know, it seems like everybody really likes, it seems like a very straightforward, honest guy to mm-hmm. just be like, nope, don't even go to the locker room, just leave, you're out. I could see, like, Lane Kiffin getting fired uh, on the field. I mean, he got fired on a tarmac, right? I think it's written into his contract that he can't be fired in an office. It has to be somewhere weird. Yes. So Otherwise, it's not a good story. If, if any coach is going to get fired immediately after a game, it's Lane Kiffin. I that just that's that's my gut feeling. Or Hugh Freeze. I could. I oh, mean, I true. think we could both see Hugh Freeze at Auburn. And it could go great. It could also end really poorly too. Uh, Bobby Petrino also, I think, is a is a great uh, um, name to throw in there. Um, so another one I didn't think about. I don't remember. It's been long enough that we talked. Did we talk about Deion Sanders going to Colorado? No, no we didn't. Um, I I don't get that. I don't get that move at all. Um, From Colorado standpoint or Deion Sanders standpoint or both? More so Deion, but a little bit of Colorado too because I – I, I got to tell you, I just, I feel like there's going to be some recruiting violations somewhere along the line, or he's not, he's not going to abide by the, the standards that Colorado is going to get nailed with some sanctions of some sort. I, and for him, I don't, Colorado, like it's not anywhere of like significance, especially in the Pac-12. Now, granted, we don't know what the Pac-12 is going to be like. But I mean, you got Utah and USC. It is different without USC and UCLA. Yeah, yep. Uh, but you still have Oregon and and Washington. I just don't. In the, it's, I I don't get it. And you know, he had some dominance going there in the SWAC, and obviously it's a it's a step up. And I feel like this is just he's using Colorado in effect of like getting to the NFL or Colorado to another higher profile college football job and then going to the NFL because I think he wants to be an NFL head coach but just so random Jackson State to Colorado I I don't get it and I don't think he's going to have success I I think ultimately I think I agree with you I think that it's going to be like a home run or a strikeout with the bases loaded like I don't think there's any middle ground where it's like oh hey he won. He went seven and five twice, and it was kind of decent. This then, isn't Glenn Mason. You know, PJ the shine kind of wore off, and we didn't know what to do. Like, like it's going to be like, oh wow, he's really good, mm-hmm. and he used this to a stepping stone, do a huge job in three years. Or it's going to be like Scott Frost at Nebraska, where it's just like, oh my god, this went so bad. How did this not work better? Yes. And so from, but I'll say from Colorado standpoint, I get it. Where it's just like, hey, we've been so bad. I think in the last 15 years, Colorado's had one winning season. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it, from their standpoint, yeah. I get it of like, hey, this might excite some people. It gives us national media attention. Yes. Yep. Even if it doesn't work out, 
point, I don't know if we can really go much lower. Yeah. I mean, people say you can't go lower. I think you can always go a little bit lower. But I don't know if Colorado can go dramatically lower. Well, so you could hire from an upside the, standpoint, I get it. But you, you could hire Hugh Freeze. I mean that. I mean that's <laughs> true. Um, I just I'm not. I don't know if it's going to work. I mean, it could work. I get it. He's a good recruiter, but I don't think Colorado has good facilities. I don't want to make it sound like facilities are right. on the matter because they don't. There's a lot of other stuff, but. I agree. You know, but and I've not looked to see who all he got when he was at Jackson State. I assume that they were all other Southern guys who were not going that far. Well, he had a couple from home. Yeah, and yeah. I kind of wonder the culture shock of like, oh hey, yeah, it's... you know, hey we we got all these guys to come here, and then after three weeks at Boulder, are like, yeah, never mind, I don't want to be here. Yeah, I say this partially as a Nebraska fan because that's what both Mike Riley and Scott Frost tried. Mm-hmm. And they'd sign all these guys from Florida and Georgia. They were like, wow, we got this four-star defensive end who's going to be great. And before the first game, would have already left the team because they didn't like it there. Yeah, too too damn cold is what's going to happen. And I get it, you know, for Colorado having that glitzy, glamorous hire. And they needed to do something because, they're, as you said, their football program has been bad for a while. And, and Deion Sanders right now is that shiny new toy that um you know that everyone wants or is talking about you know people are seeing what he's doing there and you know the college game day at went to jackson state for crying out loud this year so i get it it's just it, it's this it, it's regionally it's different it's i i don't think he's gonna have that same level of success uh at colorado but we'll see we'll see Colorado. the other yeah. the other thing too is that I feel like a lot of people don't understand, like, kind of how, like, the slack in a lot of the historically black universities kind of operate. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on them, but they don't operate like Alabama or Ohio State or a lot of other schools do. I mean, they essentially, in a lot of ways, are kind of like Ivy League schools where they're like, hey, yeah, I mean, we want you to be good at football and try hard, but, you know, we want to develop you know, leaders who graduate, you know, are important in their community and yep. things like that. And Dion showing up being like, Hey, let's get five stars. Give them, you know, these big NIL deals. And which like, I'm not saying that it's like a, a, a saying it's a slap at the face wouldn't be right, but it'd be like, Oh, that's different. I mean, it would be the equivalent of if like, you know, Harvard hired Rick Pitino as their head coach. And he was like, Hey, Let's bring in all these five star guys to Harvard who were gonna, you know, be one and done. Yeah. That you know, Harvard would yep. be like, I don't know if that's the mission that we really like wanna do here. Yep. And yep. I mean so that's all to say that Deion Sanders could could be incredibly effective at Colorado. But it was also like it was kinda he was doing things differently than the others were, so I think they were more talented. But like it, it's also like going to be a big jump up in coaching yes. too. And that, you know, going from the slack to the Pac-12, like even if they're the—I mean, I don't know if they're going to be the most talented team in the conference right away. But even if they are, there's still a lot of other coaching stuff that goes on too. Yep. Which again, I would point to Nebraska, which in theory easily has had the most talented roster in the Big Ten West for eight years now. It has only been to a bowl game, I think, three times in the last eight years. But you have to be good coaches, too, to yep. be able to. You know, you have to, you have to acquire talent, which it seems like they can do. 
you have to develop talent. I don't know if they can do that or not, but it seems like they did it okay. And you also have to deploy your talent correctly. Mm-hmm. And it's just different doing it from like low level FCS to Power Five stuff. For sure. So essentially, long story short, I think I ultimately agree with you that while Nashville football people like love this and think it's a great hire, I think it makes sense for Colorado. But I don't think that five years from now we're going to be looking at this like, oh my god, what what a great move by Colorado! They have turned themselves around, and even though Dion left for a bigger job, they made a suitable replacement. And now they're loaded in cash and football players that they have brought back the Bill McCartney era from the late 80s and early to mid-90s. As you said, it's going to be boom or bust. He's either going to be really great or it's going to be bad. So we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens there. Let's pick some bowl games here. Bowl games start this Friday. Uh, you can, of course, join. Uh, I mean, you can go on ESPN and do it all. And you can also join our group. It's the Sports Lounge. It's the... Amen, uh, it's the Freeman Black Sox. Black Sox Invitational. Yes. I mean, that's that's great. The Amen Black Sox Invitational, Amen being from Freeman. So definitely join us. Uh, we have a lot of fun with this every year. Uh, is the barbecue money going to be be uh, used this year for the winners? that available? Um, you know what? Since it's all make-believe money, we'll say that the art uh, the uh, – the barbecue money is going into as many NFTs as the winner, as the winner wants. All right. Very we'll buy good. whatever you want. That's going to be worthless in a few days. Very good. I'm making some adjustments here um, still, but for the most part, I, I'm trying to go by the three basic rules here. One, don't pick an SEC team to win bef- uh, that plays before December 28th. Uh, that's kind of my cutoff. Or even, you know, you could go even further to the 31st, to, you know. Because SEC teams really don't care. Not hiring a coach with, uh, or not not picking a team to win, or at least not very high, if they've just had a coaching change. And then I'm trying to look at the transfer portals and and who's declaring for the draft and stuff, because that obviously impacts the team. So those are the three main goals that I try and and look at here with each of these, um, or, or with picking these bowl games. So with that being said. We start out with the Hometown Lenders Bahamas Bowl, Friday, December 16th. Noah's birthday. We're not going to the Bahamas for Noah's birthday to watch this bowl game. He's disappointed, but he'll live. Um, 6-6 Miami of Ohio from the MAC against 6-6 UAB from Conference USA. Charlie, who's winning this game, and how many confidence points do you have him at? Um, I gave UAB winning. I should say that a lot of these I looked up the spread. I don't have the spread in front of me right now. It's 11 points I, for UAB. I picked UAB because they were favored, but it's only three points. I don't have a lot of confidence either way in this. I know very little about either of these two teams on the field. I mean, I know that, you know, there's the Red Hawks and the Blazers, but I don't know a great deal else about them this year specifically. Um, I have UAB winning, and I have them at 30 points. So... I'm like you with a three, but I have a zero after it. Yeah. So I'm taking Ten UAB. times more confident than I yes. am. This is, I think, what, this next game is one of the most intriguing games of all bowl season. I would have taken both of these teams to win if they were playing anyone else, I think. Unfortunately, they're playing each other, and they're two of the, I think, the hottest teams in the country right now. UTSA ranked number 25 against number 24 TCU. Both teams are 11-2. Both teams won their conferences. 
their conference championships, UTSA won Conference USA. Troy won the Sun Belt. Troy's a two-point favorite. This is the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl. Charlie, what, uh, who's winning and what's the confidence points you have? I went with Troy winning, and you'll be able to tell quickly that I'm not super confident because I think this could be a pretty good game. I've got Troy for six points. Confidence. I have Troy for three points. So there we go. We've gotten our threes out of the way here. Then we go to Saturday, and we got a lot of good games. Seven bowl games. or No, seven or six? Six bowl games, excuse me. Oh, no, seven because we have the Celebration Bowl in there too. Got to get that in. Uh, we'll start, though, with the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. This is the inaugural Fenway Bowl. They've had it canceled a couple of times. It was supposed to come out kind of during COVID, um, and obviously it didn't. So this is the Scott Satterfeld Bowl. 9-3 uh, Cincinnati against 7-5 and five Louisville, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. on ESPN. I'm wavering on this one a bit. I had Cincinnati at 23, but I'm gonna, I think I'm going to drop it down to single digits now. But... Uh, Malik Cunningham isn't playing for Louisville, so that's my train of thought in terms of picking Cincinnati. But both teams have lost a head coach, so this is one of those toss-up games for me. Who do you like? Yeah, this is yeah with, with both teams not having the head coach, it makes it weird. I put Cincinnati for thirteen confidence points. I think Cincinnati's better overall. Basically, that then that's it. But like I said, when neither team has a head coach. I don't know. I don't remember who either interim coaches for the bowl game. It's tough to know what's going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. On uh, on ABC, it's the Celebration Bowl, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central Time. Jackson State against North Carolina Central. Travis did confirm with me that uh, Deion Sanders, who we just talked about, will be coaching in this game. At least that's what uh, that's what we're led to believe anyway. If it hadn't, I would have taken Jackson State single digits. But if if Dion is coaching this game, I have Jackson State at forty confidence points. What about you? I have North Carolina Central one confidence point. Are you doing this because you disagree with the Celebration Bowl being a part of the Bowl Mania, or that's part of it? Also, I don't believe that Dion Sanders is truly going to coach. And even if he does, he might be there in body. I don't think he's going to be there in spirit. So okay. it's more of that. Okay. Then I think he's, he's got one foot out the door already. Yes. And that's why I had him down low. So I might change this depending on what truly happens with him at uh, coaching. Uh, that's, that one is one I have, have moved around a little bit. This one, I'm not moving. It's the uh, SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, Florida, 6-6 six and six against number 14th-ranked Oregon State, 9-3 and three out of the Pac-12. 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Charlie, who do you like in this game and for how much? Um, I've got Oregon State for 15. I'm kind of feeling like I want to move that up more. We'll see how things go as we get closer. But I do think Oregon State is going to win. I, I, if I remember right, they're, like a, they're heavily favored. Yes, they are. But... 10 points. The only thing that gives me confidence is, right, we have seen this before where it's like, oh, hey, this team from the Pac-12, that's good. And then they go and they play someone that's a lot more athletic across the field. It's just like, oh, huh, none of our offense works. But even with that said, I do still think Oregon State wins. But as of now, I've got it at 15 confidence points. Okay, so this factors into, you know, this plays into some of the things that I'm looking for here. It's an SEC team playing before 
December 28th. Yeah. So Before December 28th, yep. implying that it's not a very big bowl. Yes. Yep. So where is their interest or intrigue in, in this? Anthony Richardson is not playing. He is uh, going to the draft. So who's – I? Uh, okay, that's fine. Who's going to quarterback Florida? Uh, Oregon State – they were in this bowl game last year. Were they in the LA Bowl? They and they lost. This is a new year. There, I think they have a lot of, um, you know, they, they know what's at stake here, and they want to win this bowl game. I have Oregon State winning at forty-two points. You're more confident than I. I mean, I do think Oregon State's going to win, and I definitely like in terms of like who wants to be there and wants to win. I think Oregon State is definitely going to be more amped for the game. So that's where we. I have that. Uh, then we go to the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl presented by Stifle. It's seven and five Washington State against nine and four Fresno State. Three thirty p.m. Eastern, two thirty p.m. Central Time on ABC. Fresno State is a three-point favorite. Charlie, who do you like, and by how much, or in how much confidence? Points? I've got Fresno State, and I've got seventeen confidence, which I feel seventeen. I mean, technically a little below the middle, but kind of like right in the middle there, more or less. I had this game in the teens, and I've moved it now, I don't know, do we say up or down? I've moved it to the single digits. I've picked Fresno State. I really like what this, uh, what Washington State was able to do, you know, their quarterback from Incarnate Word transferring there. I think this could be a very intriguing game, back and forth. Fresno State playing a little better football, though. They won the Mountain West Championship. I'll take Fresno State. Uh, like I said, I had it in the teens. Maybe might move it back there, but um, yeah, I, I, this is a, a very difficult game. I could. This should be, I think, one of the more competitive bowl games of the day on Saturday. Yeah, I think it should be a good one to watch if you don't care, especially if you don't care about like brand names or schools, and you just want to watch one that's like fun and entertaining. I think it would be a good choice. The lone five and seven team is playing on Saturday. Rice. Out of Conference USA against Southern Miss in the Lending Tree Bowl. I had to take do a double take because I was like, oh, is it, why are two conference opponents playing one another? Nope, uh, Southern Miss is in Sun Belt. I forgot about that. So uh, we have Rice against Southern Miss, 5.45 p.m. Eastern, 4.45 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Southern Miss is a six-and-a-half-point favorite, but Rice hasn't been to a bowl game in a long time. Charlie, uh, who do you like in this game and how many conference points? I'm going to preface this with, I don't know the exact stat, but I do know in 2015, which I think it was both my uh, Huskers and maybe your Gophers, or maybe it was Illinois, but someone else in the Big Ten. But that was the first year it was like, oh, hey, we can have five and seven teams go to bowl games. And there were three that went that year, and all three of the five and seven teams won. Mm -hmm. So the teams with a losing record do have... um, I, I don't remember how many since 2015 have made it, but I do know that they've won... More than you've expected. Yes. But at the end of the day, I don't care. I'm still picking Southern Miss, and I've got it for 23 confidence points. Okay. How about the New Mexico Bowl? SMU versus BYU, both teams 7 and 5, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ABC. SMU is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, did, did I give my confidence points with uh, Rice and Southern Miss? I didn't. 15 I don't points. think you did or gave a winner unless uh, I missed it. Yep. Uh, 15 points for Southern Miss. That's what I got here. Okay. Uh, yeah. SMU against BYU. This is another one I'm a little hesitant on because I think BYU is the more talented team, but SMU can score a bunch of points. I have uh, – I've been wavering back and forth on this one. I have BYU winning, I think, right now. 
looking, looking. Yes, BYU at 14, but I'm inclined, I think, to switch it to SMU because BYU has been so disappointing this year. I'm going to preface this one with saying that if anyone hears this and is like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, you should know I'm not good at bull picking each year. I usually do poorly. Even though I know more about college football, for whatever reason, I pick NFL games better than college games. Not sure why. It's like March Madness, Charlie. Every year, it's like, oh, I'm going to do really good this year. Yeah, and... The more you know, the worse you are sometimes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, But also, of your rules for bowl games, for how to pick them, one of mine is team comes into the season with really big expectations and then really falls short. Are they going to be that excited? So I don't think BYU is going to be excited. I think it's not going to go well for BYU. They're going to show up just being like, whatever. We don't want to be here. We can't even party because we're at BYU. So what fun is this? We're not even allowed to drink alcohol. I've got SMU 40 confidence points. Okay. All right. I like it. I I do like that a lot. Yeah, the the expectations there. Yeah. And that's why I'm kind of thinking I might switch to – uh, SMU. I do like BYU's quarterback, though. And, and again, who's playing? That that's the key. Uh, is you know anyone going to sit out for BYU? We'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a very difficult game to pick. This one, I'm also a little. Um, I know which team should win, but we know that in bowl games that doesn't always happen. The Frisco Bowl. Uh, seven and six North Texas against nine and four Boise State nine fifteen p.m. Eastern eight fifteen p.m. Central Time on ESPN Boise uh, both this is the 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 game of teams that lost in their conference championship games so which team's more motivated to win the Frisco Bowl the team that's literally like an hour away or the Broncos I've mean, got Boise State winning at eighteen confidence points just because I think Boise State's better. And kind of like you said, I don't know. I I, I don't know that. No, I would imagine North Texas isn't going to be stoked to go to Frisco. I have Boise State at twenty eight. So there we go. So ten more than me. Yep. Yep. I think we're like right around average though with uh, with our points and stuff so far. If we were to average it out, and then we'll we'll pick Monday and Tuesday's games. Hopefully, uh, you know, if you're able to, we'll have you on next week so we can pick next week's games and whatnot here before Christmas. But we'll. Because we won't get there in time for uh, Monday, we'll have Marshall against UConn in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Marshall eight and four. UConn, stunning six and six record. The first uh, first year under Jim Mora Jr. Who do you like in this game, and how many confidence points? It's tough for me to give UConn any credit ever because they just were so bad, and I just don't think they're going to beat Marshall. So I've got Marshall at nineteen confidence points. But we should note that I've picked against UConn all year, and they've won half their game. So if UConn's going to win, like me picking against them is probably a strong feather in their game. I feel like because I'm from Masha, 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 I have to take the Thundering Herd, even though it's a completely different Marshall, a completely different state. I'm taking Marshall of 32 confidence points. We'll see if that comes back to bite me or not, and then we'll we'll just pick two. I mean, days. we can't pick UConn. They need to make the playoffs. You want to talk about playoffs? Yeah, that's Even very true. That was his dad, but yes. still. It, 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 the bloodline. It, that's all that matters there. Uh, we'll pick Tuesday's games as well. Eastern Michigan against San Jose State in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. 
Eastern Michigan, 8 and 4, San Jose State, 7 and 4, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. San Jose State is a three and a half point favorite. Who do you got? Uh, a lot of times I don't trust MAC teams, especially, you know, in the Mountain West. Mountain West, I think, is better than the MAC. So I've got San Jose State. And again, a lot of times I'm bad at this. San Jose State, 39 confidence points. No trust in Eastern Michigan. All right. Uh, I do love Eastern Michigan running out and, like, hitting the bricks and stuff with their uh, pregame introductions. They have one of the – That is kind of fun. Um, And they use all that energy up. I, too, have San Jose State. I have this at 17 confidence points right now. And then the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl – 8-4 Eight and four Liberty against eight and five Toledo. Seven thirty p.m. Eastern, six thirty p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Who do you like, and and how many confidence points? I've got Toledo at twenty, so basically like right in the middle. And part of it is just that I know what's his face from Coastal Carolina is leaving to go to Liberty. So Liberty's in a weird spot right now, and I don't think Liberty's going to win. Yeah, I gotta find where is this game at. Um, I, oh, I have uh, Toledo with 18 points. Hugh Freeze leaving Liberty. I think that uh, affects them. Toledo winning the MAC. I'll go Toledo with 18 points. So, so you're at 18 and I'm at 20. So I think yep. that's our closest so far. Yes. That we both picked the same team and we're within two points on each other. Yes. Yep. So uh, this is always a lot of fun and we'll pick... We'll pick next week's games uh, next week. There are a bunch, and then we'll really get going here after Christmas and whatnot. And that's that's when the really good bowl games happen. But should be a lot of fun here. Um, quickly, does SDSU win against Montana State on Saturday? I think they do, and maybe this is just me, you know, being you know home cooking on my part, being an SDSU person. But I think they do, and I think. I think we get SDSU incarnate word, which could be good that it's not North Dakota State, could be bad, I don't know. But I think we get an SDSU incarnate ward game in Frisco. Travis really, really wants North Dakota State. And I kind of do two to a degree, but I also, the, the fear of, of the Jackrabbits losing to the Bison and then never being able to live that down, I don't want that. That's my fear. I know. Now we know how North Carolina and Duke fans felt. In the in March Madness yes. this past year, when yes. they were playing in the Final Four, yep. where it's like, gee, I mean, if we can guarantee that they beat North Dakota State, then yeah, that's what I absolutely want. But I don't know if I want that because, yeah, like I said, if we can't guarantee it, I don't think that as painful as it was when they lost, but two years ago, mm-hmm. um, which you know, what was that Sam Houston State, if yes. I remember right? Yep. Yep. Where, and, you know, I mean, I don't care about Sam Houston State either way. I mean, I was upset that they lost that day. I still can't believe that that quarterback for Sam Houston State did die how many times he got hit. Right. So credit to him. But, but yeah, if it's if it's North Dakota State and they lose to North Dakota State in the national title game, like, I'm not going to have to check myself into a clinic or anything like that. I'm going to be pretty upset for about 24 hours. Oh, I I would go 24 weeks. Let's just do that. 24 days, something like that. We're going to have to have an extended grieving period there. I don't want that. Um, This is going to be tough. It it, it really is. Like, I might burn all the green clothes I have if they lose to North Dakota State. Yeah, do you ever wish that you cheered for teams that all had the same color so it, it would coordinate a little easier? Sometimes, partially because our the sports editor at the review where I work, 
Uh, he is a Pittsburgh sports fan. He is a Pirates fan, a Penguins fan, and a Steelers fan, wow. and also an Iowa Hawkeyes fan. Wow. And it's just like, man, that's got to be convenient. You just be like, oh, hey, Steelers shirt's not clean. Oh, well, I can wear one of the other ones. Yeah. Because they're all the same colors anyway. Oh, for sure. For sure. That's that's where it's at. Like, I'd have to be a Viking, uh, LSU Tiger, maybe Western Illinois, um, Sacramento King, or, yeah. like I, I do think, though, that, I mean, I get that some of these teams are, you know, over a century old and aren't going to just change their colors on a whim, but... I do think that there should be more cities, like with multiple pro sports teams, that do that. Or it's just like, oh, this would make it so much easier for everyone. Yes, uh, but then they couldn't get all that hard-earned dough, and that's they—they they want your money. That's true. So, Charlie, Charlie I really care about. Yes, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Enjoy the Bulls uh, bowl games this weekend, and uh, we'll see how we both do in the uh, in the. Confidence pool here, and then the Amon Black Sock Invitational here, and uh, we'll talk next week and pick some more games. But uh, thanks as always for the time. You have a great weekend. Yep, you too. Talk to you later, Stackin. Sounds good. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie Hildebrand, kind enough to spend some time with us. Great talking. Uh, we're picking up. Uh, we're picking all these games and whatnot. So that's that's a lot of fun. There. Um, yeah, we're going to wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. And again, join us on um, it's uh, get the, the the exact name Sports Lounge, the Almond Black Sox, uh, the the Almond Black Sox Invitational. So, a lot of fun this year. Make some adjustments here, but for the most part, I think I like where everything uh, is at at least so far. So. That being said, we're going to wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast with a look back at week uh, 14. 14? 14 already? Holy cow. Week 14 in the NFL makes some early picks for week 15. And it began last Thursday night with a stunning end to this game between Las Vegas Raiders and the LA Rams. Rams win 17-16. Baker Mayfield leads the team. I mean, he'd been with the team for less than 48 hours. He leads the Rams down the field uh, to a game-winning touchdown. Derek Carr had thrown an interception in the first half. If you let Daniel Carlson kick that field goal, everything should be good. He doesn't, and as a result, the Rams beat the Raiders and effectively all but end their playoff hopes. Then on Sunday, Vikings uh, lose to the Lions 34-23. The NFC North is clinchier. Uh, Clinch will have to wait. Uh, Jared Goff over 300 yards passing. Uh, the Vikings defense was atrocious on Sunday. They just they wasted a, a great game by Kirk Cousins, 425 yards passing, two touchdowns, 223 yards receiving by Justin Jefferson. It was phenomenal. And uh, the, yeah, the Vikings have some issues here, uh, losing 34-23. Bills beat the Jets 20-12, rainy, cold day in upper upstate New York. Uh, Mike White got hit a bunch for the Jets. He, he left the game multiple times, left in an ambulance after the game to go to a hospital, get his ribs checked or something, internal injuries. Bills get the win 20-12. Finally, Joe Burrow has beaten the Cleveland Browns. He was winless in, what, five games against them uh, through his career? Winless no more. The Bengals get the win 23-10 over Cleveland. Uh, Jamar Chase, 10 catches, 119 yards, and a touchdown in this one for the Bengals. 
Cowboys almost lost to the Texans. This would have been the upset of the year by far. Instead, the Cowboys go 98 yards after the, they, their defense stopped the Texans on fourth and goal, and the Cowboys get the 27-23 win over Houston. Philadelphia rolling. They take uh, they destroyed the Giants 48-22. Wasn't even close. Jalen Hurts, fantastic. Three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Miles Sanders, over 100 yards and two touchdowns. Incredible game for him. Ravens get the win over the Steelers, 16-14. Both starting quarterbacks got knocked out in this one. Uh, Kenny Pickett left the game early for the Steelers with a concussion. Mitch Trubisky, Frank, as we call him, uh, comes in, throws three interceptions. That's not going to get the job done. Tyler Huntley, uh, who was in the game for Lamar Jackson, who was hurt, he had to leave the game. Anthony Brown joined, uh, came in and steered the Ravens to victory here, holding off the Steelers. Uh, 16-14. Jaguars respond after that embarrassment against Detroit uh, the week before. They get the win in Nashville against Tennessee, 36-22. Trevor Lawrence, three over 300 yards through the air, three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Derrick Henry, a couple of fumbles for the Titans, who have now lost three in a row and are, need to do some soul-searching, though they still are atop the AFC South. Chiefs get the win over the Broncos, 34-28. They were up 27-0 in this one after a pick six by Willie Gay. Russell Wilson and the Broncos come storming back, though, aided by uh, several interceptions thrown by Patrick Mahomes. Broncos got within uh, six, 27-21. Wilson had to leave the game late after suffering a concussion. Chiefs ultimately hang on to win, 34-28. Carolina Panthers are still alive for... The NFC South Divisional Crown. Someone has to win the NFC South. And the Panthers uh, get a win 30-24 over the Seattle Seahawks. Geno Smith had a couple of picks in this game. Carolina jumped out to a 17-0 lead. They were great. They ran the ball effectively. Sam Darnold played uh, played fine. And the Panthers ultimately get the win. And but there's and they're still alive because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can't do anything. They're six and seven following their 35-7 loss to Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. Purdy threw for a couple of touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey, a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. Defense was dominant. 49ers win 35-7. Chargers get the win over the Miami Dolphins 23-17. Their defense, suffering a lot of injuries, played fantastic. Uh, Tyreek Hill had a fumble recovery that he returned for a touchdown on one of the most bizarre plays you'll see all season. He had a receiving touchdown, but the Dolphins' offense was abysmal. Tua Tagovailoa, not good in this game. That's back-to-back bad games for the Dolphins now, and they lose 23-17. Then Monday Night Football, uh, Pierre Strong Jr., former Jackrabbit, gets a rushing touchdown in this game. He was a big part of the Patriots' uh, comeback in this one, and uh, the reason why they put the Cardinals away, 27-13. Kyler Murray left the game, third play of the game, uh, non-contact injury to his knee, torn ACL. He is done. For the year. Let's go to week 15 now. It begins Thursday night with that battle in the NFC West. It is the San Francisco 49ers at the Seattle Seahawks. No Debo Samuel for the 49ers. This is Brock Purdy's first um, test, his first road test. We'll see how that goes for him. I'm taking the 49ers, but this the Seahawks season is almost on the line here, and they have no chance to win the NFC West unless they win this game. So to stay alive in the division, they need to win. 
I'm taking the 49ers, but don't say that with a great degree of confidence. Saturday, a triple header on the NFL Network starts with the uh, Indianapolis Colts at the Minnesota Vikings, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on NFL Network. The Vikings need to win to win the NFC North, keep that two seed alive and well. They should win this game. They should win it easily, but things are never easy for the Vikings. Taking the Vikings, just have a, let's have a nice, comfortable win, Vikings, please. Uh, Baltimore Ravens at the Cleveland Browns, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 p.m. Central Time on the NFL Network. Huntley's not going to play in this one, it doesn't sound like. Neither is Jackson. Anthony Brown? No, thank you. Deshaun Watson and the Browns, I think, get the win here against Baltimore in Deshaun Watson's first home game for the Cleveland Browns. And then Saturday night, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN, or not on ESPN, on the NFL Network. Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. It could be snowy. The Dolphins look a little lost right now offensively. I like the Bills to get the win here. Sunday's games, Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Desmond Ritter, rookie from Cincinnati, gets a start at quarterback for the Falcons. We'll see what the Saints are like after last week's game against Tampa Bay. And, well, the two weeks ago because they were on the bye last week. I'll take the Saints to get the win here. Um, actually, both teams were on the bye now that I think of it, right? Well, regardless, I'm taking the Saints to win this game. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Carolina Panthers, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Both teams, 5-8. and eight. Carolina played well last week. I think they play well again this week. And Mike Tomlin's going to have his first losing season as head coach of the Steelers. He needs to win out in order for that not to happen. I don't see it happening. Carolina gets the win. Philadelphia Eagles at the Chicago Bears, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Justin Fields will have one, maybe two big plays, and that'll be it. And that'll be it for the Bears. Eagles roll the Bears in this one. Kansas City Chiefs at the Houston Texans, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Chiefs, maybe you want to just win this game comfortably. I would hope. Uh, the Texans, good luck. I mean, you came so close to beating Dallas. I don't think you're coming close to beating Kansas City. I'm taking Mahomes and the Chiefs. Speaking of those Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys at the Jacksonville Jaguars, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. The Jaguars are going to be game for this one. And Dak Prescott and the, the Cowboys need to be on the lookout for that upset. I think this is a close, fairly low-scoring game. Taking the Cowboys, but uh, the, the, don't say that with a great degree of confidence. Uh, I think the, the Jaguars could hang around, and don't be surprised if they get the win. How about this game? The Detroit Lions at the New York Jets, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Um, I mean, both. This is playoff potential, uh, uh, playoff implications for both teams. The Lions have won five of six. They're playing really good. Is Mike White going to play or not? Do they have to go to Zach Wilson or Joe Flacco? If Mike White, I, I don't know if Mike White's playing or not. I don't know if Quinn and Williams playing or not. If they are, I take the Jets. If they aren't, I'm taking the Lions. That's the ultimate deciding factor here for me here. I'm going to go with the home team right now, but reserve to change my mind. Arizona Cardinals at the Denver Broncos, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. This could be the backup quarterback bowl uh, with Colt McCoy against... Uh, Brett Rippon. Uh, what what do you do if you're the Cardinals? Eh, fine, I'll take the Cardinals. I don't say that with a great degree of confidence. We'll see how they bounce back. How about the New England Patriots at the Las Vegas Raiders? 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Patriots are staying out west after beating the Cardinals Monday night. Do you take them here? To beat Josh McDaniels? Sure, why not? After last week, I can't trust the Raiders. Give me the Patriots in this one. 
Tennessee Titans at the LA Chargers, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. If I'm the Titans, you see that Chargers poor ranked uh, run defense. Yeah, just run, run, run with the Titans. This uh, with Derrick Henry. This is a, a you know show me something game for the Titans. I'm going to take the Titans in this one. I don't know why. Uh, Chargers, please prove me wrong. Please get the win because the Titans are really falling apart right now. Just run with Derrick Henry. Run him all game long. Cincinnati Bengals at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 4:25 p.m. Eastern, 3:25 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Bengals keep winning. They, they these games against these good teams. That the I guess the Browns aren't a good team, but it's been a tough schedule. They're playing the Bucks regardless. Joe Burrow beats Tom Brady. I like the Bengals to win. And then the New York Giants at the Washington Commanders, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Giants have been bad lately. Give me the Commanders to win this game at home. Monday Night Football, Baker Mayfield and the L.A. Rams at the Green Bay Packers, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. I want Baker to succeed, but I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers get the job done. And those are your... Week 15 picks, official picks and predictions can be found in the stack, stack attack, stackattack.sportsblog.com in our Football Friday post. Uh, appreciate you listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Talked a lot about Mike Leach, uh, the weather, the Vikings, so much to get into our bull pickums. Again, Sports Lounge, Almond Black Sox Invitational. That's the group name, so definitely join us. So uh, find, follow me on Twitter at NDStack and Facebook, Nathan Stack and Travis on Twitter at Travis Krins, Charlie on Hildebrand, or Charlie on Twitter at CE Hildebrand. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week there. You can find it on podcast.com and on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. For all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, have a for Travis and Charlie. I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll be back next week with our Christmas week edition. Plenty of football talk, some hot stove talk as well, and probably some college basketball. And again, more bowl picks. So looking forward to that. Again, for all of us here, have a great week. Stay safe with all this weather going on, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, everyone.